Monday to you. We almost had a Falcon-esque blowout, or a comeback, I should say. Uh, I said it backwards. I ruined the whole intro of the show. We almost had a Falcon. We almost had a Falcon-esque meltdown, but only by a couple of points did uh, did Kansas City not do as bad. They were up twenty-one to three. Uh, in their ball game and end up losing. So we have the Super Bowl set. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Also, Bob Rathman, a voice of the Atlanta Hawks, will uh, join us uh, coming up on the show and look to talk to him. They've won seven in a row uh, and are with Toronto uh, tonight playing the Raptors. So I'll talk to him about that. Also, Ryan Green, 1010XL in Jacksonville. Jacks still don't have a coach, and the latest guy they want to interview, they jack that up and can't talk to him until after the Super Bowl. They are dysfunctional. You could make a reality series. How do the Jags screw this up today? We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But, fellas, we have the Super Bowl matchup set. It will be Bengals. It will be Rams, just like everybody predicted back in August. I know that's who I had. I had the Rams and the Bengals in the in the Super Bowl. No Aaron Rodgers, no Tom Brady, no Pat Mahomes. None of the, No, none of them. It's Stafford and Joe Burrow. In the Super Bowl, I was going to say congratulations to all of us. Actually, yes. we, uh, we 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 all picked. We this. can we can we can pick the Super Bowl matchup. We just can't pick any of the games right. leading up to the yeah. Super Bowl matchup. I've been terrible in the playoffs. <laughs> no, I mean heck of a matchup. Uh, the storylines are all over the place. Did not see this coming. I mean, even in the playoffs with Cincinnati, did not see this coming for them to go into Kansas City, win that game the way they did, lose the coin flip. Have to go on defense. Ben, I know you were saying after the Buffalo game, hey, you can still make a play on defense. Cincinnati, they were able to do that and able to get the uh, you know the game-winning kick from Evan McPherson, who's having a postseason for the ages, the former Florida Gator. But excited about this opportunity to see two new teams. You say new with the Rams. I mean, the Rams have been here, but the Bengals, not long ago, just won their first-ever road playoff game. Now they are in the Super Bowl. The Rams, I think, with Matt Stafford, he was brought in to do this, and they're doing it. Matt Stafford's first season outside of Detroit, and he's in the Super Bowl. So the quarterback matchup is great. Uh, it feels like to me, I don't know, I don't know how how you guys feel. Feels like the Rams are 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 a favorite in my mind. Now, given what Cincinnati's done, maybe that's disrespectful. I think the line what been Rams open is a four point favorite. That feels about right to me. But a lot of uh, energy and momentum around this matchup. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go with the, with the Bengals second. When you talk about this Rams team, right? They went all in. Stafford, Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, they trade for Sony Michelle because Cam Makers got hurt. I mean, and all these guys seem to pay dividends yesterday. I mean, and then you think about the Cincinnati Bengals team. I mean. Sometimes it's good to be young and naive because you don't because the pressure of the situation will never ever get to you because you're too young. I mean Jamar Chase, I mean rookie broke the rookie record. Should probably be the front runner for uh, offensive rookie of the year, taking nothing away from Mac Jones. Then we talk about we talk about Joe Burrow. I mean, what can't you say about the guy that hasn't already been said? I mean, people kept saying, "Oh, should he should he uh, should he choose to not play football for a year because he's going to Cincinnati? Should he choose to just you know uh, try to opt out for a year and all these different things?" No, he said uh, after the game, his hometown was two and a half hours away from Cincinnati, and all he knows is what happened when he was there. I don't, I, I had nothing to do with never ever won um, a road playoff game. And then you talk about the fact, and then they, they they win a road playoff game. They beat the Titans, and and that that uh, the offense line played better yesterday, but they're a second half team. 
I mean, going to halftime when they when uh when Kansas City is on what the two yard line, they walk away with no points. That's all the momentum. I mean, when Kansas City scored what six point what three points in the second half. So I ju- I just think that when you think about what the Cincinnati team has done, Kevin to BJ. I mean, look, until you can prove to Joe Burrow and company that you're going to beat us with zero seconds left on the clock, why else would they think they can't beat anybody left in this tournament? Now, Aaron now Aaron Donald and Floyd, Jalen Ramsey, that's going to be a different animal. But I will say, all Cincinnati knows under Zach Taylor in his second year is that he's going to the Super Bowl against a guy, Matthew Stafford, who I think is rewriting history for his career as well. Yeah, and I think that's uh, to me on the uh, the outside looking in. If you look at it and say, "Hey, you got the Bengals and Rams, two teams not necessarily close to where we are here in this part of the country." That's the that's the intrigue. It's Matt Stafford. Uh, the can't win a can't even get to the playoffs, but one time can't win a playoff game with Detroit. You put him on a real team, as people say, and then you get to the playoffs and and you win and go to the Super Bowl, and then of course Joe Burrow who got beat up in his rookie year, didn't finish the season, comes back, and in year two leads his team to the Super Bowl, and he's got a little bit of that magic. And sometimes uh, guys just have that it factor when it comes to sports. Ben and BJ, we've talked about this. Tebow was one of those guys. People would say, oh, Tebow can't necessarily play all that great at quarterback, but he had that it factor, and seemingly, even at times in the NFL, came up with a play, you're like, where'd that come from? Joe Burrow... A better quarterback than Tim Tebow uh, in terms of play. Has that it factor. Hey, my, my line can't block. We can't do this. We're down 21-3 uh, to three going into halftime. We're, we're playing like garbage. Come in, have that it factor. Hey, we're going to keep fighting, believe, and they come back and go to the Super Bowl. Now, are they going to win it? Heck, if I pick him, it's probably the, uh, to win It's probably the kiss of death the way I've picked in the playoffs. But uh, you look at a guy in Joe Burrow, I think he's one of those guys that has – that it factor. I know you saw a lot of the national media saying, is this the new rivalry Mahomes versus Burrow? I, I mean, I think it's a little too early for that and say, hey, these guys have you know met once in the playoffs like this. I think Josh Allen's going to have a lot to say. I think there's some really good quarterbacks uh, in the AFC, and I'll just leave it at that before we try to make this head-to-head thing uh, out of it. But to me, that's where all the intrigue lies in the Super Bowl for me. A guy who couldn't win a big game uh, in the pros to save his life in Matt Stafford and the new it, the new it guy in in Joe Burrow. Yeah, I I, I also think the defenses are going to be in the spotlight, and they're two different defenses in terms of kind of what the expectations have been. Right, Ben, you were mentioning some of the names, Hall of Famers on on the Rams defense. I mean, you already have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. You go out and get uh, Von Miller, and you talk about uh, uh, Ernest Jones played well over the weekend. I mean, you have superstars all over the field, and then with Cincinnati. I, you have very good players, but I don't know that you have the you know two, three, four superstars. And give that Cincinnati defense credit because yes, you had the comeback with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and company. But you really saw Cincinnati in the second half take control of that game defensively. And after the first couple of drives from Kansas City, I think all of us were looking around, going, "Okay, this is going to be one of those games where the Bengals might score, but they cannot stop the Chiefs. They can't stop Pat Mahomes. They made adjustments." They came out not only in the second half, at the end of the first half. Remember, had that critical sequence where Kansas City decided to go for the touchdown and not the field goal. Cincinnati kept Kansas City scoreless, gave themselves some momentum heading into halftime, and that defense was great in the second half. Made plays uh, to make things more difficult on Kansas City, even when they got into the red zone. The turnover in overtime. So, look, it is all about the quarterbacks, no doubt. 
and it is all about the star power with L.A., but I do think you have to give a lot of credit to Cincinnati's defense, Jesse Bates and those guys, uh, Trey Hendrickson, what they did in the second half against that all-everything Kansas City offense. Yeah, and the thing is, yes, we talk about – I don't think the two defenses compare. As you mentioned, B.J. Vaughn Miller, future Hall of Famer, Aaron Donald, future Hall of Famer, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he has a chance to be in the Hall of Fame depending on how the second half of his career is. Eric Weddle might be the talk of the whole playoffs. This guy wasn't even in football. Had had been on the couch for two years. He said he kept a step in shape for playing pickup basketball. Both of the stars say to go down. Him and Raheem Morris got a nice little report. He called him, say, man, you know the defense. Can we install you? Led the team in tackles yesterday. And, you know – uh in the NFC Championship game. But I do think when you think about the Cincinnati Bengals defense, once again, two weeks, the Bengals go to over – I mean, the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs go to overtime. They win the toss. People thought, oh, it was over. But what happened? The defense gets a big stop. And I was telling y'all, BJ, that killed that myth. You say if you win the toss, the game was over. No, the game is not over. And this is not a better defense than what they went against last year. Buff, last, Buffalo, well, I still don't like the rule, Ben. I still don't like I'm the not, rule. I'm not, I'm not saying the rule, but, but what I'm saying is – what I'm saying is if you are Cincinnati, you play more team football because you have a bunch of no-name players that have to go out there and uh depend on each other. I mean, you talk about the big you talk about the the biggest pick of the game um wasn't even uh wasn't even uh, in overtime. The biggest pick of the game was when the big D tackle jumped up and got the big pick for Cincinnati. I'm just saying when you play a team like Cincinnati, which you're never ever gonna get the credit you deserve, not because you're not good, because you're Cincinnati. People just waiting on you to implode so they can say, oh, same old – this isn't the same old Cincinnati. This, this It ain't like Cincinnati is, is playing against a bunch of slouches. You just beat Pat Mahomes at home, and Pat Mahomes had that 11 pick, points. That pick by, what, Von Bell at the end of the uh, uh, at the end of Kansas City's first drive in overtime, I mean, that's one of the plays of the year uh, in, in the yeah. NFL season. For all the talk about the quarterbacks, that pick – because I think everybody, Ben, to your point with the coin flip – Everybody, including you heard the crowd cheering Kansas City. When Kansas City won the toss, you looked around and went, okay, it's going to happen again, right, Kevin? Yeah, I, and again, I'm not here to debate the rule because people say, love the NFL. Look, I, I thought it was bad last week, and I think it's bad this week. I, I just looked down to, uh, you know, uh, every major sport you have, the other team at least gets to touch the ball. And you can say, well, go play defense. Well, why doesn't the other team have to play defense? What if their defense stinks just as bad as our defense does? Uh, they didn't, and you're going to decide that, well, that doesn't matter because it came up heads instead of tails. Like, that's just ridiculous. Baseball, you got to go out there and pitch. The other team's got to go out there and pitch uh, to your lineup. In basketball, both teams are going to have multiple opportunities to possess the basketball in overtime and put points on board. You've got to be able to score and you got to be able to play defense. I just think in pro football – we're going to say football, the ultimate team game, well, it shouldn't come down to the ultimate coin flip from a ref. I mean, yeah, you need your defense to play. Well, again, we saw last week Josh Allen sat on the sideline. So Josh Allen can't win a big one because he never got on the field in overtime? Uh, Just like, again, I I think people that will say it's great, it worked out because, again, you got an interception, both teams got the ball, and you go down and and, and put the game away. Good for uh, for Cincinnati on doing it. but again, that's just that's just me. I'm not gonna I'm, I'm gonna be like you, EJ. I'm not gonna say it was bad last week and great this week because well, it turned out no, it's 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 still bad. I think you need to revise it a little bit. No, look, look, I, I never ever said that the rule was a good rule. What I am saying is, I mean, if Buffalo does what Cincinnati did yesterday, we, maybe but maybe Cincinnati's playing Buffalo uh, in the AFC Championship game. What I'm saying is, when you think about what happened, was everybody assumed right because of what happened a week ago. But think about how the rule favors you. This is what we don't realize. People thinking, oh, 
Um, because of that possession, does Cincinnati got to go down and uh, score uh, score a touchdown? No, Cincinnati just has to score. And I think what happens is yesterday was let's talk about what really happened. Patrick Mahomes, I don't know what in the world he was doing yesterday. If you if if that's Cam Newton, if that's Dak Prescott, they are crucifying these people today. They'll say, "Oh my God, what happened?" No, he imploded. He imploded yesterday, and I kept telling y'all this: Kevin and BJ. This time last week, we were saying. Is this dude resume already top five? And I told y'all, he is not. Doesn't mean he don't got a chance to be. But is he top five quarterback? No. Patrick Mahomes gets away with a lot of stuff because he's Patrick Mahomes. 31 other quarterbacks have to play within the confines of the offense. All that running around, he was just throw the ball away. All that running around, this, that, and the third. And then after the game, he said, Kevin, he said to Kevin, Kevin, he said to Patton but we weren't even supposed to be here. I mean, people counted us out. I'm like, what the hell are you talking? What are you What are you talking about? Y'all going to four straight AFC championship games though, because you lost. Now, I do agree. Cincinnati knew. I think Cincinnati, when they played them in the regular season, it was 21-10 going to half, and they came back and beat them. Same as yesterday. So I think I think uh, Cincinnati showed the rest of me is, look, man, you got to find a way to limit that offense. Demarcus Robinson, I love you. Being a former Florida Gator, those two pads that he threw to you back-to-back almost cost Cincinnati. I mean, almost cost Kansas City the game. They still lost. But I'm sorry. If you Patrick Mahomes and you got Tyreek Hill, you got Travis Kelsey, you got Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and you can't find a way to score for three points in the second half, that's not Eric Bieniemy's fault. That would be Patrick Mahomes' fault trying to do too much with the football. Yeah, going to be interesting. Speaking of those uh, quarterbacks that are moving on, a lot of talk about uh, the matchup heading into the Super Bowl, a lot of time to talk about. But we'll look at Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford. When we come back, Bob Rathman will join us in about 20 minutes here on 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. John Stinchcomb, and you're listening to 3 and Out with B.J., Ben, and Kevin. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, B.J. Bennett, Ben Troop, glad you're with us here on this Monday Super Bowl matchup set. Obviously, Bengals and Rams, but Joe Burrow, Matt Staff are going to be a tremendous quarterback matchup uh, to watch play out as we, uh, we look at these two guys. Obviously, the first Super Bowl for both of these individuals. Let's start there with Matt Stafford. Number one overall pick, just like Joe Burrow. But you were in a city where you had some talent, right? You had Calvin Johnson. There were a lot of people saying, you have offensive weapons. You're putting up numbers. Team can't win. I think you went to, what, one playoff game during your time in Detroit? Didn't win it. Obviously, one win. You rewrite that entire legacy in four quarters of football, potentially, if you're, uh, if you're Matt Stafford. I think he already has in some respects because the 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 counter argument to any talk of Matt Stafford's greatness was oh well you know regular season stats but he hasn't been able to do it in the playoffs well even if you lose in the Super Bowl you've now done it in the playoffs I mean you went toe to toe with Brady in January and you won on Brady's home field and I guess that could end up will end up being Tom Brady's last game so I think Matt Stafford has already change the talking points in terms of, oh, this is a guy who can't get to the postseason, and then this is a guy who can't get it done in the postseason. But I will say this. It's easy to look at this matchup, Ben, and go, oh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. What Matt Stafford has done 
living up to expectations really deserves to be appreciated because he was brought in to do this. And to Kevin's point, when you join a team and you're looking around and you're like, my God, look at the star power on this roster, right, wrong, fair, unfair. If they didn't make it to this point, everybody will have said, well, look, it's Matt Stafford. Clearly he's overrated. He couldn't come in and do it. So facing basically a you better make it to the Super Bowl or else type deal, he came in and he delivered. And he was... He was at his best a week ago beating Brady. Fourth quarter was at his best yesterday. They were down 10. Start of the fourth quarter, he was great. So I think Matthew Stafford deserves a lot of credit uh, for the Rams being where they are. Great team, but Matt Stafford has certainly helped them realize uh, these goals of winning a championship. Yeah, BJ, but you know, just like I know, we talked about uh, you know Matthew Stafford, he got to finish the job. I mean, because you don't want to be that quarterback that uh, got to the Super Bowl and lost because you know, right, the Bluebirds, and the people that support you, they, they, they both in the stands. Unfortunately, that's, that's the world that we live in. But look at what they gave him. I mean, nobody saw Cooper Cup happen this season. And shout out to Cooper Cup. To me, might be the, he might be the MVP of the league if you really look at what he's done. He's the, he's the first receiver to ever go over 2,000 yards in a receipt. And that's saying something with the, art, with the likes of Jerry Rice and those guys, Randy Moss and so on and so forth. But then you see, you see Odell Beckham Jr. People kept saying, oh, he was the reason why, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield couldn't get it done in Cleveland because they're trying to force the ball to him. Look at him yesterday. Look at Von Miller, a guy that was said in Denver, had worn out his welcome in Denver, can't get it done. Look at what he's done. I mean, obviously, you know, Jalen Ramsey and so on and so forth, but it all comes back to Matthew Stafford. And the thing is, if he finishes the job, it's okay because I do think that that's what makes football fair. Quarterbacks are always going to get all the praise and all the blame. And they're never as bad as they say they are. They're never as good as you say you are. But, yeah, BJ, if you're looking at Matthew Stafford, he's proven that, hey, man, you put me with the right team, not just the right offense. I got a shot to go out there and make some things happen. But that young man he going, that young man he's going up against and Joe Burrow, all he knows is this. Like, when you think about Joe Burrow, right, Joe Burrow is doing the same thing for Cincinnati he did for LSU. He did the, He's doing the same thing. LSU hadn't beat Alabama in a while. A long time. Then when they finally do beat him, now they be and he said, "Listen, Joe Burrow said this. They said, man, you going to the you going to Super Bowl?' He said, "Yeah, it's the second biggest game I've ever been in outside of beating Bama." <laughs> he said that. Well, I respect and I respect it, and I respect it because BJ and Kevin, you got to think about this. If you Joe Burrow, right? People said when Joe Burrow his junior year was sixteen touchdowns. BJ like what five or six picks? They said he was the same way then he was going to twenty nineteen. Saying, look, man, my, my confidence level is not based on what I do, but when I start doing what I do, you guys will start accepting my confidence level. And why shouldn't he be this way? And this is the second time I think in NFL hits the two number one overall picks. I think that I think the first time it was Cam and uh obviously uh Peyton Manning. But Matthew Stafford, look, he's doing what you're supposed to do. Give it takes time, right? To resurrect the career, and he's doing it. Sean McVay, get a chance to go back to the Super Bowl. That 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 uh that uh head coach and high is paying off what. Two Super Bowls in the last three or four, or four or five yeah. years, but you gotta get it done because because Kevin and BJ, you know, just like I know, all the stars are aligning. You know, uh, uh, Matthew Stafford trying to do the same thing Tom Brady did last year, holding the Super Bowl, but if they lose, mm, mm, mm. yeah. And uh, Joe Burrow, obviously, uh, BJ, you asked before the show, is he the next kind of superstar? Got past the Raiders, Titans, and again, we talk about this like it's just one of the things. The margin of victory for us, not even to be talking about Joe Burrow in this respect is so razor thin. Steve Tannehill, or Steve Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill was driving the Titans down to kick the game-winning field goal. 
a ball bounces off a receiver's shoulder, it gets picked off at the 40, and Joe Burrow goes down and kicks the game-winning field goal. The Chiefs have the ball in overtime, are driving down the field to win the game. A ball gets tipped to your own teammate, intercepted, and Joe Burrow goes down and wins the game. There's a good chance Joe Burrow never touches the ball in either one of those games, and they lose. And yet now we're talking about him as, could he be the next superstar of the league, B.J. Bennett? I mean, Ben, I want to ask you this. Do you buy the argument that certain players have kind of a magical quality to them? Like, maybe it's confidence. Maybe it's a belief that the whole team has. But to, to Kevin's point, it's like, you're down 21-3. You're facing the number ones. I mean, all of these things are so improbable. The franchise has not had a lot of success. Yet, here you are. What makes Joe Burrow special? His his ability his ability to get those other guys to believe and and and, and share the same confidence and let's face it Kevin BJ we watched him football a long time ago luck is just a part of this thing as anything else like sometimes the ball just bounces your way if you're a New England fan you don't want to hear about Atlanta but unfortunately we're Atlanta Falcons fans we can't stand the fact that you're part of that twenty eight to three it happens but BJ right now all Cincinnati knows is they won that division they won that they, listen they won they won the AFC. Now they get a chance to go up against the boys from L.A., and if they do it in their own home stadium, mm, Joe Burrow, man, I don't know if that legend can grow any bigger than it has, but if he win, hey, man, pop them cigars. Them cigar companies are going to be coming out of the woodwork <laughs> to get this man to be endorsing them. Go ahead and uh, erect the statue there in Cincinnati for the all-time great. I mean, is he, he's already passed Boomer Esiason if he wins the Super Bowl, right? I mean, he's already like, hey. Yes, here's... yes, and Carson Palmer, and Chad Ochocinco, and TJ Houshmanzada, all them boys. Yeah, Chad go... Jones took pictures with them boys after the game. Yeah, go ahead and uh, go ahead and, uh, and and erect him as the greatest Bengal of uh, of all time. We'll come back. We'll switch gears. Certainly more to talk about when it comes to the Super Bowl. But Bob Rathman, voice of the Hawks on Bally Sports, uh, will join us. Hawks have won seven in a row, really starting to play well. And he joins us next here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here on 3 and Out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. The Atlanta Hawks playing some great basketball as of late. Seven wins in a row, including wins over the Bucks, the Heat, the Celtics, Lakers over the weekend. They've got Toronto coming up later tonight. And joining us here, the voice of the Hawks on Bally Sports South, Bob Rathman joins us here on 3 and Out. Bob, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing fantastic. What is it about the month of January that seems to, to get the Hawks in gear here? Well, I think it was about the middle of January. That fourth quarter against Milwaukee on MLK Day was the day that changed everything. They became a better defensive team. They got a bench developed. The offensive rhythm came back, and everything really fell in line, and they haven't lost since. I was going to say, Bob, you look at this streak. I mean, the Bucks, the Heat, the Celtics, the Lakers, obviously. What has impressed you most during this seven-game winning streak? Well, obviously the defense. I think getting back your three best uh, defensive players. Capella was hurt. He came back. We got DeAndre Hunter back on the floor finally. And Nkongu came into his own. Uh, These are three very important pieces that the Hawks didn't have for most of the season. And to get them back playing well, anchoring, I think, the uh, kind of the, the back line of the defense for the starters with Capella and Hunter, and then getting a Congo going to solidify that second unit with Bogey. I think that's that's what's turned it around. 
And Bob, I mean, you mentioned the Congo. I mean, 12 points in the fourth quarter against the Lakers. I mean, you know what he does on the defensive end. If he can provide you those type of quality minutes and points, how much more dangerous is this team down the stretch if they can continue this run with a guy like a Congo giving it to you on both ends of the floor? Well, I think with a Congo, it, it really gives the Hawks a great one-two punch at center. And I, Clint and Onyeka are different kinds of players, obviously. Uh, and Akagwu is still, he hasn't played a full NBA season yet with all of his injuries. Hasn't been to training camp, hasn't had summer league. So he, everything he's doing, he's learning on the fly. So that said, I do think it gives them a, quite a one-two punch. If you combine the stats for the two, that's a pretty impressive stat line out of your five-man. Uh, there will be nights when Clint closes games. There will be nights when Ayeka closes games. Yesterday, it made sense for Anyeka to play the whole fourth quarter and nail that baby down because the Lakers just could not guard him. Where in a game like tonight, where the Raptors just don't have any bigs, uh, Capella may be the guy. You know, uh, the way he can rebound against a team like Toronto, I think he may see more Capella tonight. So I just think it gives the Hawks a great one-two punch. And, Bob, how do you see this team as, as they start to figure it out? Obviously, Nate uh, McMillan did a great job with this team last year. They got off to such a slow start, and you're looking uh, to be – you would be in the, the playoffs if it ended today. But is this a team that could be very dangerous come playoff time now that they're starting to figure this thing out here? And how good of a job has Nate McMillan done to keep them together after that slow start? Well, Nate's been fantastic. He pushed all the right buttons yesterday. There's no doubt about that. This team still, though, has a long way to go. This is not, uh, by any means, the, the winning streak that's going to put them in the playoffs at all. I mean, they've won seven in a row, and we're 10th, which is the last play-in date. So they've still got a lot to get on their side. They've got to, they've got to keep this push going. I, I, always, I thought, starting with Milwaukee, that the stretch of games between MLK Day and the All-Star break was going to make or break their season. You know, we've had to reschedule a bunch of games in March, so we've got to play 17 games in 31 days in the month of March. So we've got to keep winning somehow. Uh, as, as great as they've done, you know, we're still a game under 500 going into tonight's game. So we've still got a lot of work to do. This, and, but I think with the development of the second unit and going 10 deep, I think it gives you the depth that not too many teams can throw at you. You know, not many clubs are going to have a Bogdanovich, a Gallinari, a Lou Williams, a, 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 a Kongwu to come off the bench like that. DeLon Wright is playing great. I think that's a, a real luxury that the Hawks have. Bob, Trey Young, of course, going to start in the All-Star game again. He's in the top five in scoring and assists. I know you've covered the league for a long time. Have you seen many many players quite like Trey Young and what he can do? No, he's pretty unique because of his size. I think that's what takes everybody's breath away. If you saw him on the street and you didn't know who he was, he looked like the kid that comes over on Saturday morning to mow your lawn. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's why he appeals to, to kids so, is because he's their size and doing some pretty amazing things to be the second leading vote-getter among all guards in the East and, you know, up there with the best of the best in the NBA really is saying something. And to be 23 years old and already be a two-time starter in the All-Star game, that's pretty special. 
And Bob, you mentioned they're gonna have to keep that momentum uh, to even uh, keep pace in the East. This how competitive uh, is this Eastern Conference? I mean, everybody thought when LeBron uh, wanted to go out west, it was gonna make the East open up, but the East has gotten a lot better since he's left. I mean, but you do, but you can't go off, you know, certain highs beating teams like Milwaukee twice this season. Well, I think the East is better than the West, top to bottom. It's much more competitive, that's for sure, and you just don't have. Many nights off in the East, I'll tell you. It's very, very competitive. You know, like tonight. I mean, Toronto's a game over 500, and I'm sure there aren't too many people in your listening audience that know a lot about Toronto and what they're going through. So this is a another quality basketball team, and the Hawks have got to be ready to play tonight. If Trey can't go, it's going to make it very tough. And, Bob, talk about that just coming up over the next couple of weeks. I know a lot of games, a lot of back-to-back seemingly – uh, on the schedule for the Hawks. How do you navigate that and continue, as you said, to uh, have to make that push to get off the bottom of the playoff uh, pile here? Well, I think that we talked about it a minute ago. The depth certainly helps. You don't have to play guys heavy minutes. That's a big plus. And it's quality depth. It's not just running guys out there. Now, you'll see Toronto tonight, for example. You know, they rely on their five starters to play almost the entire game. Uh, all they had a triple overtime game in Miami Saturday night, and all five starters played over 53 minutes apiece. That's never happened in the shot clock era before. So they may have some heavy legs, too. But I think the just the depth, and you, one thing Nate is good about, he's very even-keeled. He knows how to take it a game at a time. Doesn't really get ahead of himself. Uh, he's pretty stoic on that sideline, as you see in our TV coverage. But I just think you, you, know, you gear up to win tonight's game, and we'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow. To that end, Bob, do you have to be careful? I mean, I know I've done it, where you look at the standings after each game and you kind of say, well, if you win here, if you win here. I mean, do you have to be careful, given that there's still so many games left tonight, uh, look at every single win and loss as it affects the the standings as we currently sit? Yeah, you know, we're kind of at the point, because we dug ourselves such a deep hole, we're kind of at the point where when we're playing teams ahead of us in the East at home, If you lose, it's like losing two games, and you can't afford that at all. Uh, Winning seven in a row is great, but if we lose tonight, now you're back to two games under 500, and you got to play the Raptors again Friday night in Toronto. So it's it's difficult. There's no question. We dug ourselves a very big hole, and that's why it just got to be so dicey before this winning streak began. We were on the on the cusp of really knocking ourselves out of the playoffs. But now we're 10th. I think a realistic goal first, of course, is to get to 500. And then from there, use that as a springboard. Maybe we could get to 7th by the middle of March and stay there. That would be great. And if somebody falls back, maybe we could somehow jump the line and get into the top six. And, Bob, to that end, I mean, you talked about being able to get to 500. How hard is it not for this team to not press? Because, obviously, they know that every game they lose at home, like you mentioned, is like losing two. Can they maintain a certain level of poise the rest of the season and still try to make it back to the playoffs? Yeah, it's going to take a push. I mean, we've, we've got a work cut out for us. Thank God we're done with the West Coast. We don't have to go West. We've only got, we've only got three games, I think, left on the road against the Western Conference. So, you know, one of them's OKC and one of them's Houston. So, you know, we're done out there. That's great. Uh, the East games that we've got left, 
we can really do some damage and help ourselves uh, by jumping up. These teams are all tightly bunched together, as you know, by just looking at the standings. Everybody's hovering around from 23 to 25 losses. And if we can stay hot, we'll be right up there with them. But I just think this team has a new confidence about them. They, they look completely different than they did two weeks ago. Yeah, it's going to be fun tonight. It starts tonight. Toronto uh, coming up a little bit later. Bob Rathman, voice of the Hawks on Valley Sports. Appreciate the time, Bob. Thanks so much. Okay, guys. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Bob Rathman joining us here in the Hawks, as we've mentioned uh, a lot there. Seven wins in a row, and uh, we talked about it uh, after they beat the the Bucks. I think it was a question uh, I posed to you guys on, on take three. Is that a sign of things to come? Or is it just a blip? And I think everybody said, ah, it's just a blip. They've been playing not great. They showed up, got Milwaukee uh, in the win column there on uh, MLK uh, Day in Atlanta, which is obviously a huge, uh, huge day and a huge crowd there. You get in Atlanta, maybe just a blip on the radar. Well, they've won six more uh, since then. And as you said, they're 10th in the playoffs, not anything to get excited about. But within the span of a week or two, you could certainly be up in the seventh or eighth spot. Uh, if they continue to play this well. They played a lot better, and, and and it's been impressive not only that they've won seven in a row, but, Kevin, you were mentioning it this morning, uh, who they've who they've uh, beaten, the, the Heat, who I believe are first place uh, in the East. You have a win over the Heat in that stretch. The Lakers, obviously, yesterday. This game tonight is important, and you may think, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's two teams that are around 500. Well, I think that's why it is so important, because Toronto is, I think, a game ahead of you yep. in the standings, and these games head-to-head kind of count twice like what Bob was saying. And I know you have Toronto again in a couple of days, so you could have a real swing in the standings with the Raptors depending upon what happens. You want to keep playing well, but Trey Young, uh, what more can you say about Trey Young? Going to start in the All-Star game again. You forget he's only 23 years old because he's done so much, but in the top five in the league in scoring, in the top five in the league in assists, uh, the Hawks are the one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Uh, sometimes I think we take Trey Young for granted because we get to see the highlights and the stats. And, you know, last year we I, you, you just kind of expect it. But what he's doing, remarkable from Trey Young. Yeah, BJ and Kevin, I mean, I think, what, 36 uh, last night or whatever against uh, the other night against the Lakers. And we just think because he can score buggers that everybody can do it. I think Bob made a good point, though, when you talk about how he resonates with, you know, with kids or whatever. He's not the biggest dude you've ever seen. And most guys, most people, you know, you're talking about play basketball, they're going to be around Trey Young's size. What Steph, what Steph Curry meant, what Steph Curry done for the NBA in shooting, I think a guy like Trey Young has done when you talk about size and being able to go out there and dominate, starting in the All-Star game, it's a huge deal because it's not like the point guard position might be the most, the best position top to bottom in the league. And he's starting. So trick or trade, we apologize again. You are no longer in the shadow of Luca. You got your, you got your money before Luca did. And you pushed the eventual NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks to the brink. Luca, you are up. Trey. <laughs> we got more to come here on three and out. We'll have Hawks and Raptors later tonight. It is three and out on the Southern pigskin radio three and out. Glad to have you along here on this Monday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. A lot to get to coming up here on the show. We'll look, again, look at the Super Bowl matchup that is happening here between the Bengals and the Rams upcoming. And apparently the segment is over. Yep, you want, <laughs> no, I'm just, I was just going to ask, do you want to hit me right now? No, I'm good. I'm doing a radio I mean, show. He did come in when he was bringing us back. You, you know, he, Look, 
You can't have a Kevin different has, sports discussion while you're trying to come back and manage the ebb and flow and discussion of the show. I'm just saying, Kevin has violence in his now, eyes right now. he's going to do that to you tomorrow. So when you're coming back from He break, does that to me like three times a week. A totally separate question. <laughs> Kevin does that to me three times a week. We'll see. You look good, though. Nope, don't try to. Nope, it's coming. It, uh, Ben's giggling. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, because all, all, all I get is Kevin will say something, he'll stop. And then I'm like, Christian got to be somewhere because I can't see Christian. Christian can say, and Kevin will say, the segment's over. Christian There's never black. been more like violence in the air in this studio than the five feet between <laughs> you right there. They were right talking there. about SEC quarterbacks while Kevin's like, they're talking about Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. And why, were, why were you even while, talking about while him? Kevin's I don't know. bringing us back from break and then. Kevin tries to bring us back from break, and Christian just, as as you would, he's just not letting it go, not letting it go. Well, he said something wild. I'm not going to say what he said, but he said something wild. I'm just supposed to eat that? I mean, he's trying to bring us back from break. Well, I'm trying to defend Hinn and Hooker. I know he was th- third in the nation in passer rating. Damn right he was. Good for him. <laughs> I think I think Kevin, like, forgot he played last year. I think no, Kevin's an undercover Tennessee fan. We know that. I'm undercover Do Tennessee. Do you, you have family members that went to Tennessee? I did. Okay. So what you. does that have to do with me disagreeing with your take? Wouldn't I ride you, for him you, more? Do than you than want than... me? Do you want me to say what you factually no, said incorrectly? No, no, okay, it's then. Like I said, I think whoa, he forgot whoa, whoa, he played. Whoa. And hold on, hold on. And I can respect what Christian just did because that's BJ. Now I don't know what BJ say. He's not going to ask you. Do you no, should I say it? I'm good? Because say it. I know Kevin had his mind on whatever you guys were going to talk about in this segment <laughs> before I hijacked. We're it. supposed to talk about y'all. You guys were at the champions Who? parade. Oh, we were uh, flexing on people. Yeah, we were. How was that? We almost fell out of the truck at least three times. Okay, I'm not going to say who was driving yeah, yesterday. It was, it was rough. public knowledge. We almost <laughs> died multiple times. <laughs> we almost uh, yeeted the uh, Pierce County mascot. Like standing in the back of a truck. Out of the back yeah, of the standing truck. in the back of a truck is dangerous already. Wait, the Pierce County mascot was driving? No, no he was in the us. car with us. Oh, okay. In the back, yeah. us, But he almost got tossed off a few times. <laughs> I mean, it's true. And a couple cheerleaders. And a co- yeah, a couple But yeah, they, a couple they have way better balance than we do, so... Saw some uh, pictures, imaging on social media. It looks See, like a lot of people were. were there's out. a lot of people there. I was just gonna say we're kind of top heavy. Me and Kevin are. <laughs> so like, when we lose our balance, it gets dangerous. Whereas the cheerleaders, they they're like used to being athletic. Yes. And so they it wasn't bothering them quite as much. But you know, when somebody hits the brake, and then hits the gas, <laughs> there's a couple moments where I thought we were gonna lose. Kevin. Yeah, I almost tasted the uh, the top of the the, the hood there. See yeah. what? Got a couple paint chips in my teeth. That's right. <laughs> Did you see Stetson Bennett's hat that he got yesterday? Yeah, Kevin showed me a picture. Yeah, of had, he, he actually got, got a Stetson. He got a Stetson hat with, I think they said it was, uh, like had all the Stetson scores cologne. on the side. Yeah. What, Ben? Was it Stetson Cologne? No, he has got a Stetson hat. <laughs> I'm just saying, no, no, hey, listen. No, he didn't get the Stetson. Uh, he may have, but not, not from note, them yesterday. I'm going yes. to fade into the ether. <laughs> Stetson do whatever you want to do. If Stetson, listen. Stetson, with everything I said about you, if whenever you meet me, if you want to slap the hell out of BJ because of what I said, you yeah. have my permission. No, it was Stop good. It was good though. I, I, and I, again, we got Christian and I got to ride in the back along the parade route. Uh, the the mascot he kept hopping out and walking and you know shaking hands with the uh, with the folks. And so I was like, it was a pretty long parade route. Like I mean, I think uh, I'm trying to think what we asked somebody like, how far is it? And I, I think it was like it was over a mile. Uh, that, you, that he was having to walk, like he went up and turned and went up the the uh, the, the highway. It was it was good. There was people everywhere. And a, a lot num- of Georgia fans, a, a lot of Pierce kind of champions, right? Were recognized. Yeah, they they recognized obviously Stetson for winning the national championship, but the the twenty twenty 
Uh, Pierce County football team, a lot of local teams uh, in the rec department have been state champions in a number of things, so they recognized all of them and had them in the parade. And, I mean, it was, I think they had, like, Miss Pierce County High School was in one of the, I mean, it was it was neat. And they had, like, again, the, the community showed out. It was deep. I know people that weren't from Blackshear that came and took, I say took part, but were there along the parade route so they could, you know, share their congratulations and well with. So it was, I mean, it was awesome. They were throwing out, you would appreciate that. They were throwing out candy to everybody. Whoa, and, whoa, 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 whoa. Was it, was it, were they certain chocolate No, candy it bars? was all hard candy, which was funny because Chris and I did not throw out any candy, but like the float in front of us had a bunch of young kids on there and you would just see like handfuls just come flying out the side. And every once in a while, you would be like, all right, is this kid trying out for the baseball team? Because you'd see one just missile out the side of that thing. Is like, man, you just fired like a butterscotch at somebody's face over whoa, there. I hope they were paying whoa, whoa. attention. Christian, was Kevin out there recruiting? Because you know Kevin. No, I was not out there recruiting. recruiting. <laughs> I'm just saying. I signed him to NIL deals and called it recruiting <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> Have you back here three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, BJ Bennett. Breaking down Cobra Kai and all the other secrets on uh, on Netflix here during the break. We'll get to some actual sports talk coming up here in uh, in just a little bit. Obviously, the Tom Brady drama over the weekend. We'll get to that and uh, and more Jags drama. There's a lot of Jags drama uh, out there, uh, BJ and Ben. We'll get to that coming up. And matter of fact, I may rescript a segment here and talk about just that because that that brings joy to my day. It brings pain to BJ, but joy to my day to see how dysfunctional the Jacksonville Jaguars are, including this latest oops uh, from, from Jacksonville. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But first, let's take three here on three and out. All right, take one. In the light of Tom Brady allegedly retiring, everybody has said he's retiring except for Tom Brady himself uh, out there, at least not officially. Team sports goat, Tom Brady. Or Michael Jordan. All right. And this is going to be tough. Uh, either way you go, I, I don't know that there's a right answer. No, there is a right okay. answer. That's why we do these Okay. Questions. All right. Then we'll <laughs> see what you say. I think I think for me it's Jordan. Uh, and, and I understand Brady, 10 Super Bowls. To think about that is unfathomable. 7 out of 10. I mean, what a success rate. Michael Jordan never lost in the finals. And I think when you're kind of getting to the point where you're comparing – Goat be goat. I think you have to look at the minutia like that. Of yeah, Tom Brady may have may have gone to more, but Michael Jordan, when the spotlight was on, when the stakes were there, never lost, never lost. And not only did he never lose, like you knew they weren't going to lose. There wasn't even a chance. Like when Jordan was with the Bulls, you could be a fan of the Jazz, whoever doesn't matter. Jordan's going to win, and you know it's only a matter of does it go five, does it go six, does it go seven. You're not winning. And, Ben, I know you always talk about, you know, championship teams. Are they confident or are they convinced? We've at least seen Tom Brady lose on the big stage. We've seen that theoretically happen. Michael Jordan, nope, not happening. And stepped away from the game, came back. Uh, You know, how do you compare success in football with success in basketball? I understand it's tough, but I just think that perfect record in championship, I don't want to say games, championship series – uh, because of that, I will say Michael Jordan. Oh, DJ, I think I think too often times when it comes to the Michael Jordan debate, people just uh, go to Michael Jordan all the time. Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. Yeah, he never lost in the finals. He never lost in the finals. Okay, I get that part. I, I, was, I did something for twenty-two years. In those years, I was in, I was in the I was in the Super Bowl. 
and I won seven. Just say I lost all ten. Just say I lost all ten. I went to ten. I went to ten Super Bowls. Right? Me not being in the NFL potentially is gonna make the NFL even for everybody. I went to ten Super Bowl. I went to the NFL. I went. I was in the NFC for two years, and I went to the Super Bowl and won. I'm the first player to ever host and win a Super Bowl. All I'm saying is, I am not downgrading basketball by no means. Michael Jordan was the best player in basketball by the whole time he played. Every time he was in the finals, his team was the best team with the best player in the finals. He was he, they, they were the favorite six times. Six times, right? John Brady got a legacy so long, 30 for 30. Like, dude, how are we going to do this? Like, how, it's going to take too long. I'm sorry. One guy meant that much to 10 different teams. 10 of them. One guy meant that much. To Wes Welker, to Rob Gronkowski, to Deion Branch, to Teddy Bruschi, to Mike Vrabel. I mean, and too many guys to list. So, for me, the ultimate team sport is football because you got – one guy in basketball, BJ Kevin, you know, can hurt you. One guy, you cannot stop him if he, Michael Jordan was that dominant. Tom Brady did it with kickers. He did it with defense. He did it with a run game. He did it with – I'm sorry, man. It's, it's Tom Brady. And like I said, Tom Brady in, at age 44 had the best statistical season ever, and he's walking away. What was Michael Jordan at 40? Oh, that's right. He wasn't nowhere near basketball. He was old as hell on the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> Love Mike. He's not the ultimate. He's the ultimate player of a team sport. Man, that's Tom Brady ten times around the moon. Man, ten times. Now I'm going to go with Michael Jordan on this one. I, and that is, and that is the, and that is the right answer. No, look, I look. I, you said what is Tom Brady? Have to, what What did the Bulls do when Michael Jordan left? What, 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 what have they done since he left? I mean, I think you could at least he say... Left, no, no, no. He won three in a row, left, did something else, came back, and won three more. What if Tom Brady just decided, oops, I'm going to quit, and then came back two years later, probably not going back to the Super Bowl right away. I wouldn't why, think. Why would you, but why would you think he wouldn't, Devin? What would make you think he can't? Because nobody does that. Except Tom Terrific. Maybe. I guess there's enough kale shakes out there you can get it done. Oh, if, if anybody could do it, if anybody could do I like it, it, wouldn't you think it would be Tom Brady? Prob- in football, probably. He's done all- And Again, I'm not trying to disrespect Tom Brady. I'm just saying Michael Jordan won three in a row, quit, came back and won three more. That's pretty good. And to correct BJ a little bit, I don't think there ever were any Game 7s. For Michael Jordan oh, in the, yeah, in, in the yeah. finals. So you can't say game four or five. No, it never got to game seven in the finals. I know there's not the equivalent of a game seven for football. You either make the Super Bowl or you don't. But, I mean, it is what it is. Moving along. Sorry you had to be wrong on that one, Ben. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Cam even said Michael Jordan uh, as well. All right, take two. Which NFL team is best positioned to contend over the next five years, I would say you got 31 good choices. And we all know the other th- the other one yeah. is Jacksonville. And then there's <laughs> and there's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, uh, that is not the right answer. The ja- uh, heard heard some conversations about this. It, certainly, Cincinnati has played their way into the conversation with Joe Burrow rookie contract there. I mean, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Uh, I think. Buffalo, you probably look at and say they're going to be around for a while. I think even if teams, you want to talk about teams who haven't made the playoffs, I think the Chargers, when you look at their young talent, I mean, can't, yeah, I, I think you look at the Chargers and go, they might be, but 
Uh, but I think it's Kansas City. I think we're turning the page on Kansas City too quickly. You still have Pat Mahomes. You still have Hill and Kelsey and 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 Robinson and 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 the playmakers. I think it's reasonable to expect you to get a little better de- defensively over the next couple of years. I don't think that's unreasonable. And they've and they've been a team that when they've lost it's taken something crazy for them to lose. It's taken, you know what, the multi-overtime game against Brady a couple of years ago or what we just saw yesterday. I think Kansas City, you expect them, uh, just with Pat Mahomes, to be there. I think Mahomes right now, especially with Brady apparently allegedly retiring uh, and Aaron Rodgers, we don't know if he's coming back. I think Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the National Football League. Now, if you lose, uh, you know, if you if if you lose a game like what you just had happen on Sunday, you can't let that turn into an overall downtrend in momentum for your whole organization. But I think when you have the best quarterback in the league, uh, you have you have a chance. Now, if you lose Eric Bieniemy and hopefully he gets a head coaching job, you know that's that's something that could set you back. But I think you have Pat Mahomes. I think you have young talent. With, with, with Cincinnati, I still need to see it long-term. I mean, it's just an organization that has struggled for so long. So I will say Kansas City. I mean, BJ, you talked about the Bengals. I can agree. Talking about the Bills. I can agree. Chiefs, Rams, Ravens. They were decimated by injuries. BJ, I know you left a team out on purpose. Get a quarterback. What about the Titans? Huh? I mean, I'm just saying. I said if we get a quarterback because – the thing about it is Derrick Henry, right? You know what you got in him in an AFC South, and just call it what it is, it's rough. I mean, when the Titans are the team to beat, Houston, Houston can't pick a Houston, Houston got the same problem uh, Jacksonville got. They can't pick a coach either. I don't know why bad franchises can't pick coaches. I mean, my goodness, give them some money, leave them alone. Then you talk about the Colts. I mean, I'm sorry, nobody nobody really you know, is scared of uh, Carson Wentz, so I think the Titans are poised, but I think the Bengals are the best because they are doing it with guys who just got to the league. I mean, one guy missed the whole season. Now he's in the championship. I mean, they got a picture of Clyde Edwards-Alaire pointing at Jamar Chase. I don't think we really are appreciating how good Jamar Chase is. They are doubling and tripling this dude like he's been in the league. This is his first year. So, yeah, Ravens, Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, Rams, Titans. And, and unfortunately, whatever team, uh, whatever team uh, Aaron Rodgers ends up on, but wherever Cody is, if he does go to Denver, unfortunately. But Aaron, Denver, isn't, isn't Aaron Rodgers like 38 years yeah. old or something got, like that? I, I, I would say best position over the next five years for me would be a team that lost yesterday, San Francisco. Why? Where's your weak spot? Jimmy G. Is he going to be the quarterback? No. You got the new young quarterback sitting on the sideline in Trey Lance. Outside of San Francisco, over the next five years, who looks like in the NFC they're set up for a dynastic run? I mean, if, if with Tom if, Brady if, retiring, if, nobody in the NFC South. Kyler Murray, with Kyler Murray in, the, in the Cardinals, maybe I don't know. All right, so I mean, you're really talking. I mean, think about it. Nobody in the South. If Aaron Rodgers moves, I mean, did the Packers, Bears, Lions, Vikings scare you? Cowboys, yeah. Eagles, Giants. I mean, any Washington? Any of those teams scare you? No. Rams, maybe. But I, I, I would be interested to see if they cash one in. How long are some of those guys? Let me ask for you this. For the, me if I'm I mean, wrong. Like, when, you get some guys that finally catch is, is Matt Stafford going to play for five, six weeks, especially this, if he gets a Super Bowl? When you think about the, the the star quarterbacks in the league, right, we don't know what's happening with with uh, – we don't know what's happening with uh, 
Rodgers. We don't know what's happening right. with Wilson. You have some young guy. Isn't Pat Mahomes already locked in for like 10 years? Didn't he sign like a 10-year? Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about in the yeah. NFC, yeah. who yeah. – if Russell Wilson leaves and goes to an AFC team, who in the yeah, NFC that, scares? Yeah, yeah, it's San Francisco. You got oh the running God. game, you got the defense, you got the offensive line that looks pretty good, and you have the quarterback you feel like is going to be getting addressed here with Trey Lance. Outside of them, who's the Rams? Maybe who else? Ben kind of said Cardinals with a question mark. I mean, hey, yeah, yeah, that's a big, that's a big question. Mark. I mean, the only yeah. other team I would say has the pieces. To contend, but they just haven't. Is the Cowboys? But I mean, I think that's the team. But but well, I mean, but 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 again, but they've had the same team together and they can't put anything together momentum-wise in the postseason. San Francisco was within a play of going to the Super Bowl for the second time in a handful of years. I think it's San Francisco. All right, moving along. Take three. Who was one player who could boost their draft stock this week at the Senior Bowl? And the best sponsor name are the Reese's Senior Bowl. And you don't weigh enough, just eat some peanut butter cups <laughs> yeah. and go weigh again. And excited to see a couple of local guys. My J. Sanders out of Camden County, uh, Tariq Carpenter out of Long County uh, from Cincinnati and Georgia Tech there. I think those are guys uh, that could continue to boost their draft stock. Um, we've talked with some draft analysts, and a couple of them have said, hey, there's kind of a vacuum at the top for a quarterback that teams almost want a quarterback to be a top Two, three, four, five type player. I think. I think Kenny Pickett. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett helped Pitt to an ACC championship game. If he has good workouts, uh, if he has a good game on Saturday, it seems like there are a lot of pundits who want to move him into that top seven, top five, top three, maybe. But perhaps you want to see it. Uh, a lot of the mock drafts I've seen recently have Pickett kind of creeping up to what. I've seen a couple of mock drafts that have him like 10 where Washington is. So, maybe Kenny Pickett. A guy for me, BJ, I mean, I know once again, you know, I had another guy, uh, you know, before the show. But I think a guy that even stick, even sticking with uh, – even sticking with uh, the quarterbacks, I think I think uh, I think Malik Willis out of Liberty. I mean, obviously he's gonna be a big time player, but when you're there with those coaches and you're doing it with guys who are gonna be in the National Football League, because let's face it, the, the, the jury, I mean, the jury is still out. We say Liberty, like who they play this? They play some big time teams, but Malik Williams, Malik Willis is on a lot of people's radar as being a mid, you know, mid, you know, mid first rounder, maybe even higher depending on how. So I think a guy like Malik Willis who definitely has, takes care of the football, can boost his stock a lot. That's, that's a good pick. Oh, everybody knows it'll probably be like an offensive lineman from North Dakota or something. That's usually the guys that we have to... call it. Uh, uh, there was a guy out there. Let me, let me find his name real quick. I mean, and again, I'm not saying this because I have any kind of kind of uh, inside knowledge. Matt, well, let's go. He's from North Dakota. But I'm saying go, guys like that are the ones that you don't get a lot of tape on, and then they show up at the Senior Bowl, and they do uh, Trevor Pinning in Northern Iowa. Could be like they don't have a lot of tape. Then they go to the Senior Bowl and it's like, oh, they have a good week. Man, this guy could be a first, second round offensive lineman. They'd be like, who? Never saw him play. It's usually guys like that, BJ, those offensive linemen, because that way you sit there on draft day and go, and the Jaguars have selected so and so out of Nebraska, Omaha. What? Yeah, he's 6'6, 350 pounds, and he was eating people at the FCS level. And everybody goes, well, let's see if he can do it at the NFL level. I, I think you'll see a guy like that uh, get a lot of press coming out of Senior Bowl week. That's take three. We do it every day at this time. We've got more to come. Three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio. Now, there during take three, a lot of reports that he's retiring, although Tom Brady himself has not said he's retiring as of yet. And there may be a monetary reason for him not to do that, Ben, as we talked about 
the league calendar resets here in a couple of days. And when the league calendar resets, Tom Brady gets some bonus money in the neighborhood of like 10 to $15 million if he has not retired as of yet. So, officially, Tom Brady has not <laughs> retired yet. Do you think it will become uh, official after, again, seven Super Bowls, five MVPs, most wins, yards, touchdowns, attempts, completion? He's got all of them in the National Football League. What would he come back for at this point? Uh, Tom Brady has realized really quickly, uh, Kevin and BJ, that in this social media-driven world that we live in, especially when it comes to sports, anybody that gets a chance to, uh, to uh, you know, even Adam Schefter, he said, look, man, I might have jumped the gun a little bit. He ain't saying that it ain't true. Everybody does it the same way, right? You got to walk in the sunset, hey. Remember this and all that, and then it's like it's, I want to say thank you to the game, and like you say, Kevin, I will say this: I ain't counting nobody money. But if Tom Brady waits a couple of days to get that fifteen meter escalator, hey man, shout out to the goal for getting that cheese and going. Well, I woke up on Tuesday, and you know, cilantro smoothie ain't tasting like it used to. I want a real smoothie with real <laughs> fruit in it. So I, I just think for me, Kevin and BJ, number one, you said it. What else can he do? Like what else? Like. There, everybody is everybody is going for second place now. You're not gonna do what he's done. Ten Super Bowls, seven Super Bowl championships. I don't even know what ten, what nine? Uh, no, no, no. I want to say nine AFC championship rings, one NFC championship. He's got every record, most yards, touchdowns. So what else can he do besides just just what make that make that. Uh, you know, make that gap even but, bigger. But Ben, I think that. I, but Ben, I think a lot of that is what the last two years were potentially about. When people said, yeah. "Look, you don't need to go to Tampa Bay." Well, I can do it. One, you had to. Maybe I could do it without Bill Belichick. But two, you knew going to Tampa Bay that you were going to push the bar so far yeah. out there that nobody is ever going to catch you. Just you won't be able to play that long. And BJ, and for those people, listen. Shaq says something about LeBron that I wasn't even thinking about. Like we always talk about Shaq. I mean Shaq. Uh, I mean I'm sorry, uh, Kobe, not Kobe. Uh, LeBron and Mike. LeBron and Mike. LeBron and Mike. Right. He said now what LeBron is doing. He wants the most points. Cause think about it. He goes, if I got the, I got four rings, right? It would be great to get a fifth. But if I got four rings, I got the most points. I'm top ten in rebounds. I'm the. What else can you say about me? I got the most points in NBA history. I think he got a shot to, to go to number two this year. Over Carl Malone, he's already got more points than Kobe, more points than Mike. Those type of things matter, man, because I don't want it to be debatable anymore. And with with Tom Brady, man, that stuff ain't debatable, man. We need to stop that stuff, man. We need to stop that. If if, if Pat Mahomes win this year, man, he 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 got two. That's what it would have been. He would have had two. He could talk to Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning. Y'all need to stop that stuff. Guess what? Uh, how many how many NFC Championship games did Donovan may have go to? BJ what four or five? We finally now he didn't win it. But come on, man, like, we need to pump our brakes. Tom Brady, go stop being disrespectful. Dude, Tom Brady got to walk around with a 12-gallon with a jug of baby powder slapping the hell out of everybody. We need to stop this. This man is in the class. Oh, BJ, think about it like this. I'm going to say this. When we talk about the greatest DB, why don't you listen to nobody? See, I'm saying, like, I don't want to hear it. Of course, Tom yeah, it's Brady. Brady. Yeah, look, 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 there is no, there is no counter-argument. Um, in terms of is he retired, I know some people have said, why would he retire when he just led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns and statistically had his best season ever? But, uh, Ben, if you don't mind me saying, I know I know you retired when you still had other opportunities out there on the table. And I know you've – I mean, I, you can share perspective on it. 
I know it meant a lot to you to be able to walk away when opportunities were still there, right? Yeah, and I, and I was going to say that too. It's look, I, look. Let me let me let me just because I know we got a lot of listeners. I am not <laughs> comparing me to Tom Brady. For those of you, no, but what I'm saying is no, but stepping away at your best, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the only listen, the only three things I ever want to do as a as a professional athlete, I want to be the first guy drafted from the team I came from. Check, I was the first guy drafted from Florida in 2004. I want to be the first guy drafted the team I went to. Check, I was the first guy drafted to Tennessee in 2004, and I want to walk away on my own terms. The third one was really the only one I could control. And the thing about it is, is when you walk away from the game knowing you can still play, the game didn't pass me by. It wasn't like, oh, man, you just out there taking money. Tom Brady, the game hasn't passed him by. He Listen, Tom Brady wakes up every day and, you know, goes to Father Time house, and he laughs. Father Time, he laughs at him. He really – because Kevin – and he did it True. this way too, Kevin to BJ. He ain't all ripped. Listen, he, 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 he looks 44, but right? he don't look like Barry Bonds. He ain't swole up, right? But – He's still out playing. If I'm out playing Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and, and Dak Prescott and all, what make these guys? I did it at 44. So this is what we're really going to do. Now he's saying, compare me to the next great 44-year-old. Because that's what I've done, right? Kobe gave me 60 points this last game with the Lakers. So when you think about Tom Brady, he's saying, what I'm doing at 44 will never be done again unless LeBron decides to play till 44, which right now, it seems like a foregone conclusion that's going to happen too. But no, man, it's Tom Brady. He's going to retire. He's just trying to get. Is there any cool. chance? Is there any chance these reports are wrong? Because to Kevin's point, of and course. it's probably it, look, it's probably for the uh, financial distinction you referenced. But okay. is there any chance he comes out in a, in a week or two and says, or what, ten days, whatever it is, and says, "Oh no, I'm back." He it is, but Tom Brady to me, like. He he's very very professional. Like he don't want to make people look bad. Like he don't got no problem with Adam Schefter and you know NFL reporting and what may have you. But Tom Brady got too many friends that he tell all this stuff. And hey, man, you know I'm retiring. And they tell Adam Schefter, here it is. I don't think Adam Schefter is wrong. I really really don't. But Kevin and BJ, if he does come back this year and he wants to come back and he wants to play for the Falcons, I'll welcome him. Come on, man. I mean, <laughs> I think that'd be a great fit. Well, he was saying some stuff. You know, like you could kind of read between the lines of some of. He's like. You know, my wife is uh, wanting to some, to some things I haven't done as a dad that I want to do and be there for my kids. And my wife, you know, wants to spend time with me. And I'm like, you know, and people think, well, you get a bunch of off time. You do, but training camp starts in July, and you're there till if you're Tom Brady, January. Every day, reading, looking at film, breaking it down, game planning. And as Ben knows, it doesn't have to be one of those where it's like, I used to sleep in my office, you know, grinding. It doesn't have to be that, but... The, the great ones, like, you hear about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. It's like, they are there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and they are there at 8 o'clock at night to make sure that nobody is beating them. Right? I mean, that and that's and, and that, that's why. They're not there because, hey, I want people to think I'm working hard, so I'm going to be at the building all day. No, I'm here because I don't want you to think you can outwork me and be better than me uh, at this thing. And I think at some point, it's like Brett Farr said, if I didn't have to go to practice, I'd keep playing. Right, it's the grind of the season that wears you down. If all I had to do, that was a, a famous Brett Favre quote at the end of his career. If all I had to do was show up on Sunday and play, I'd play till I was fifty, because that's the fun part. The the not fun part is getting here at eight o'clock in the morning and going through a workout and sitting in the cold tub. I don't want to do that. And I think on some level, if you're Tom Brady, like, look, I've been there, done it. You know, my kids are still. I, I think they're still fairly young. My wife. And, and and him are both very successful. 
We don't need to come back for the check. We don't need to come back for the money. They want to spend time with me. And, the, and he starts saying stuff like that. He's like, well, maybe it is true. Maybe it is going to happen. I, I, I don't think he's going to come back and play. Uh, I do think, hey, if I knew all I had to do was just not say nothing for 15 days and you're going to give me 10, 15 million. But to your original Zip point, it up, baby. I'm not what, saying nothing. <laughs> what would you be? I mean, Ben, it's like you said. You already, I think we had it. Most wins, most yards, most TDs, most attempts, most completions, most Super Bowl appearances, most Super Bowl wins, most Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, you're coming back. Granted, the stats are there. I know, Cam, you said last week this was his best statistical season. But outside of, I guess, just adding to an already, in, I mean, what, what would you be coming back for? Uh, just the competitive nature of the game. Some guys just really, really love the competitive nature. But I heard Matt, I, I heard uh, Tim Hasselback say, talk about his brother Matt. He was like, my brother played for like 18 years. He's like, listen, he said, my brother coming to the league, my niece and nephews are one and two. When he leaves, they're in high school. And, and BJ and Kevin, we talk about this sometimes too. Look, man, I love playing. We love the game. But being fathers and husbands, that stuff, you owe it to – look, they, 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 listen, we were talking about, oh, Tom Brady sacrificed. No, no, Giselle, his kids sacrificed because they got to sacrifice him for the game. And, I mean, I mean, uh, Shannon Sharp said in his Hall of Fame speech, he says, I was not a good father because I gave everything to the game. Everything came second. And a lot of dudes do that for the betterment of the kids. But – Tom Brady can't do anything. Like, he can't do anything. Tom Brady's in another Super Bowl. And, like, I want to go to the 11. Giselle is like, look, dude, I think I've more than supported you at this point. <laughs> right? I mean, if we're being honest. And let's, let's think about it. It's not – I believe that Tom Brady's going to be extremely successful in whatever he wants to do after football. But when people say, what else can you do in the sport? He can't do anything else. He did it in both conferences. He dominated over in the AFC. I just think now, man, he sits back and says, look, man, let's put together as many Tom Brady documentaries as we can. It'll be a freaking mini series. But no, he, he can't do anything else. And Kevin, I will say this. I ain't, I ain't count his money again, but he seems to be very frugal. If he wants that 15 mil to shut up for 10 days, shut the hell up <laughs> yeah. and walk and walk away with a nice check. I, that, that's the least that Bruce Arias and company oh, can do for him. Absolutely. Hey, we got more to come. Speaking of coming back home, Another story there out of the University of Georgia. We'll get to that next. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Monday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. And who says you can't go home again? Georgia bringing back wide receiver uh, coach and passing game coordinator Brian McClendon uh, to Athens. Won an SEC championship as a wide receiver there uh, as a player. Coached at Georgia from 2009 to 2015. Was the interim head coach at uh, the Tax Slayer Bowl 2015-2016. By proxy, became Georgia's first African-American head coach, OC at co-OC at South Carolina, OC at Oregon, uh, and passing game coordinator uh, at uh, at Oregon. Went to Miami as the co-OC and wide receivers coach. Never coached a game there, obviously, and now is headed back to Athens in that role. So you got a number of guys uh, in the mix. Uh, there, Mike Bobo's back as an analyst. Brian McClendon is back in as a wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator. And uh, Kirby Smart kind of bringing some folks back into the fold there in Athens. Yeah, it's a very impressive staff. And Brian McClendon, a great coach, very impressive historic resume. And uh, you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, Georgia royalty when you think about the McClendons. And 
Uh, I think this this only makes Georgia better. And you think about passing game coordinator, I think this only makes Stetson Bennett better. Uh, ben, when you think about having Brian McClendon come in and help further develop his skill set and work with that passing game. But I think from a coaching standpoint to a recruiting standpoint to you bring you know a former player back home, a, a legacy player back home, this was a great hire, great decision by Kirby Smart, and a good to see Brian McClendon back at Georgia. Absolutely. I mean, I think you said it the best. I mean, Brian McClendon, when you think about the McClendon uh, tradition at the University of Georgia, it doesn't get much better. You see Warren, he gets a chance to win a national championship. Brian was an incredible player. And obviously, you know, Willis. But I, I just think that Kirby Kirby is doing his thing the right way because he understands that, look, man, I had to surround myself <clears throat> with quality people. And, and, and everywhere we mention, when you talk about Brian McClendon being in South Carolina, coming from Georgia, being in Oregon, these are – these are places that you're going to be able to have uh, UGA ties now as far as, like, uh, recruiting. So I know that old Coach Dan Lanning thought he was getting rid of them Georgia Bulldogs by going out of Oregon. Now you're going to have to compete with them guys in recruiting. But, yes, Brian McClendon, an incredible talent, has been around. And and and, and, let's, and, this, and, and Georgia, and Georgia um, you know, whether you're a coordinator or, you know, a position coach, this is springboard to get head coach of gigs. When you look around college football, Mel Tucker and Dan Lanning and Sam Pittman and so on and so forth – you want, you want to become a, a head coach. It used to be go to Alabama now and just go to Athens because if you're there for more than three or four years, you haven't done your job. I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, uh, you know, a guy like Kirby Small understands he wants to be able to give these guys head coaching opportunities. No better platform right now than that. Well, I mean, Ben, I mean, it, it, when Kirby Smart took over, he said, look, I was at Alabama. I want to – I'm going to model the Georgia program after what I saw Nick Saban do. Not only on the field, but I saw how he ran a program. How he put this guy, I mean, Nick Saban was kind of the first guy. He's like, what's the deal with all these analysts? What's the, what's, what, what, what do you mean you're getting all these ex-coaches who would rather be an analyst for you for a year and then go get another job? Well, Mike Bobo was an offensive coordinator in the SEC. He's been a head coach. He was, we used to joke about this all the time, BJ, when people would say it's Mike Bobo's fault. They were putting up more points than they ever had offensively in the history of Georgia's program under Mike Bobo. And people wanted to complain about it. But now you bring Mike Bobo back in as an analyst uh, to help you out offensively. Again, a lot of similarities I see between what Nick Saban was able to cultivate at Alabama and what Kirby Smart is trying to cultivate there at Georgia. And obviously it led to a national championship here in the first six years of him being there. But now you're seeing Will Muschamp at one point came back in as an analyst uh, and now has more of a a, a coaching role there, co-defensive coordinator. So you're seeing the same cycle. And I think you watch, what's Kirby going to do? Look over there to what Nick Saban's doing, and you'll probably see Kirby Smart doing something very similar. Yeah, and and look, he's working smarter. I think too often the times, I mean, uh, Diaz Sanders killed that myth of, oh, guys, they sitting until 2 o'clock in the morning. No, you want guys to be able to have lives. So you got, you got I mean, I, it's an army at Georgia. It's an army at Clemson. It's an army at Alabama. It's an army at Ohio State. These, these programs are saying, look, in order to beat the best, we must be able to do what they're doing first. And that's going to be recruiting. That's going to be the analytics. So nowadays, I mean, Kevin and BJ, it seems crazy, but the proof is in the pudding. You look at what all these coaches, I mean, you look at what a guy like Kirby Smart is bringing in is because it's needed. It's like, look, man, I'd rather have a guy focus on one aspect of the game. What do you mean? That's all he does. All he watches is third down conversion. I got another guy, he's watching first and 10. And look at how much better they are. And people say, do you really need 40 guys? That's 40, that's 40 job opportunities. That's 40 people you're employing, right? And I remember they were talking about when the coaches, when the head coach was making 100 k Analysts make 100 k 
So it ain't like they're giving them for slides. And analysts, yeah. and, 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 and analysts, just because, Kevin, you referenced it, they cannot have on-field interactive roles. No, so that's no, no, right. No, 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 and, and let's say it, too. People go, hey, man, how do you really oversee? Because the one thing we really don't see a lot now anymore, and this is not a coincidence, off the field infractions. You don't, you don't see as many anymore. 40 guys, 40 guys, I mean, if I got 40 guys, I mean, you got these two guys, you got these two guys, because you got to be able to watch them. It's a lot more, you know, accessibility to these players. But shout out to Kirby Smart, man. I like them. Everybody wants to do it for the team they play for. Everybody wants to come back and do it for a team that gave you an opportunity, you know, to even start your career, whether it was athletically or professionally. So bringing back a guy like Brian McClendon shows that, one, man, we notice what you out here doing. We want to snatch you up before anybody else snatch you up. So, hey, man, Georgia just got better. Uh, unfortunately, for the rest of the SEC East, including my Gators, it's not going. It ain't looking too good in the, in the coming years. But hey, man, you see, you see what uh, you see what Nick Napier is doing, right? You see what yeah. Crystal Ball is doing, right? Yeah. They're doing the same things. Hopefully, it breeds you know wins. But you got to have an army if you want to be able to go out there and compete with your yeah. And like and and coming. your your staffs beyond just your head coach. You know that's how you maintain consistent success, right? You look at the dominant programs over the last generation plus. I mean, you think about Alabama. They've always had great coaching staffs. You think about Clemson. They've always had great coaching staffs. You think about, you know, Ohio State. You think about uh, where Georgia is now. You go back to Florida State under Bobby Bowden. You know, you're going to have guys get opportunities, but you absolutely, when you have vacancies, want to bring in the best guys, guys who are top-level coaches, guys who know the program, love the program. And I think I think this is a great hire. But, Ben, I know you've talked about this a lot, too. When you think about, yes, a, a head coach obviously sets the tone, but position coaches, coordinators, they have more direct influence on maybe the game plans and on relationships with the players. I know you said you were you know, very close to a number of your position coaches, coordinators when you were at Florida. So these are the types of hires that make a program better and can help you stay at that top level. Yeah, I mean, Billy Napier, you talk about a guy he went out there and get when people talk about uh, you know, Eli Ricks and those guys, Derek Stingley Jr., Corey Raymond, I mean that I mean the DB's coach, that's who we win a snack. Yes. So so and the thing is too, what 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 Kirby's really doing, he's giving, he's really showing you, look, I got the coordinators, right? But I need these position guys. When you're talking about passing game coordinating, meaning all all Brian McClendon is gonna do is work on the passing game. When it comes to the run, that think about how much better your passing game is when you got a guy like Brian McKenzie. All I do is focus on the passing game. I don't even worry about the running game. And I and I think that's gonna make you know analytics in college football go up go up that that much even more. But I mean, I'm happy for these guys, man. I I think sometimes you know these coaches, these head coaches only look at wins and losses. Look at the type of opportunities they be giving guys. They be saying, look, come back home, man. This is the this is the best this is the best uh springboard there is right now outside of Tuscaloosa. So yeah, man, I'm I'm happy for Brian McClendon. I'm not happy for my gators, man, because Jesus Christ. <laughs> but at the same time, man, I, I want to see guys land <clears throat> in a good spot. BJ, me and you talked about it. Keywan Ratliff is now on the staff of Florida State. I'm happy for him. Yes, you know, I wish he would have stayed in Florida, but that's how good he is at what he does to and listen, once you no longer a player, it ain't about the colors you represent in the college, right? It's about what you're doing now. I mean, so I'm happy for all those guys because people don't realize as hard as it is to make it in college sports and pros, it's even harder to make it as a coach. I know hundreds of guys that be saying being Antonio Camardi, who's at Texas AM, is talking about how hard it is to make it in coaching. Cause just because you played it don't mean you're gonna get the opportunity, but shout out to the guys who did. Yeah, certainly. We've got more to come here on three out speaking of coaching. BJ, your Jacksonville Jaguars, they haven't been able to go out there and grab the best they can find at all. We'll break that down next. Also, Ryan Green said the join us from 1010XL in Jacksonville. It's three and out.
Southern Pigskin Radio Network. And Ben, BJ is just beside himself today at the Jacksonville Jaguars because, again, the Jaguars doing what I thought only the Jags in Cleveland could do. But I think even the Browns wouldn't screw this up this bad. So they still don't have a head coach. It may or may not be Byron Leftwich. Apparently, they want to interview the offensive coordinator from the Rams, but they messed that up because there's a window you can file to say, hey, we want to interview this guy, but now that that window has passed, you must wait until the Super Bowl is done because he's participating in the Super Bowl. So if this is a true candidate, the Jags will not be able to continue interviewing and continue this process until the Super Bowl is over where they can jump back in. So as somebody said earlier today, Ben, on, uh, on Twitter, you have the number one pick at quarterback from last year is Trevor Lawrence. You have the number one overall pick in the draft this year. You have the most cap space, or at least maybe the second most cap space with which to spend money in the entire league. And nobody will say yes to you as a head coach. Very telling. Uh... Bad, bad, bad organizations are bad organizations for a reason, right? It's not, it's not the players. People thought it was Tom Coughlin. Nope. People thought it was Doug Marone. Nope. No, it is. And he might be a good dude. It's Shai Khan. Because the thing about it is, is right. This is what they're not really seeing though. What is what gives me confidence if I am an, a, a new head coach at Jacksonville that you're gonna do right by me when I get here? Like, look at the stuff you're doing, right? Bad enough that we. We are the number one pick in the draft two years in a row with the with the youngest team in the NFL. I got to be the only way I'm gonna get guys down there to come to Jacksonville is one, Trevor Lawrence, two, no tax, and two, and three, no tax. Cause it because there's nothing about the team that makes me think they're gonna be successful. And the thing is, they saying right now that Trent Balky is trying to sabotage Byron Leftwich. How the hell has not Trent Balky sabotaged Trent Balky? Like, what is it about him? That makes you think, because that's another thing, BJ, whoever comes in, they're going to get him as a general manager. So I just think that sometimes, you know, people think that just because, you know, people in high ranking positions, they make good decisions for the team, but they, they, they're not. I, I'm not understanding this. Two, two, two things I don't understand right now going on the state of Florida. We ain't talk, two. One, Jacksonville don't have a head coach, right? Number two, you know what's crazy people talk about? Mario Cristobal in Miami doesn't have coordinators. He don't got an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. I'm telling y'all, the state of Florida, I don't know what's going on. BJ, look, I'm going to say this on the air. If you want to switch teams, there's a team up there in Nashville, man. We, it's cool. You can come up there with us because you ain't wear your Jacksonville stuff none in 2021, right? Now, a couple of years ago, that's all you wore. It was Saxonville. It was Unique and Dockway. It was, you know, Calais Campbell. Since then, you had on the Jacksonville shirt. You told me, take me back home. Why? Because I'm not wearing this out of public. So, BJ, all I'm saying is, what's going on with your Jaguars? We thought it was Coughlin. We thought it was Tebow. We thought it was Urban. We thought it was Chris Doyle. It is Shy Khan. It is Trent Balky. It doesn't seem to be getting better. They're going to have to throw a lot of money at whatever coach comes in just to deal with this nonsense they call of a front office. Uh, it's 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 bad. I mean everything. I, I mean, are they the worst? For, I, I would say I mean, they're yeah. behind the Cleveland now for the worst yeah, franchise. I mean, you don't have a coach. I mean, and we were talking about the timeline, and I mean Byron Leftwich is right there once a bit. But you're you're talking about the timeline. The Senior Bowl is this week. Like, isn't the isn't the combine in a couple of weeks? 
And yep. and theoretically, if you wait until the end of the Super Bowl to interview, I, I don't know what's his name, uh, O'Donnell, or to to wait a couple of, I mean, could you not have a coach by the middle of the month? I mean, could isn't the draft in April? Like like, don't you have to have like a philosophy and an approach? And you got to again, you don't have staff? coach. The Senior Bowl is this week. Right. You have scouts, and that's about a, it. You yeah. don't have a coach, and I know there are a couple of other teams in the league that don't, but. This is just every every news update is like, wait, what? How, what what what's going on now? Hire Byron Leftwich, hire Adrian Wilson. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, this, I, this, whoa, BJ, this is what really should make you mad. This is what really should make you mad. People talk about what does a coach do for, for a team? Zach Taylor's been with Cincinnati three years. They got the number one overall pick two years ago. They're in the Super Bowl. I'm telling you, you can flip this thing to Tom Brady get the hell on. You might can flip it even quicker. We'll see. <laughs> That's asking a lot from a franchise that has done the only flipping they've done is off to their fans, I think, uh, at the end of the day. I mean, well, I'm just saying. You had people wearing clown masks in the last game. We'll talk to uh, Ryan Green, 1010XL, when we come back about it. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We're streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Love to hear from you on Twitter at Pig. Back here, three and out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of. Your day, we are efforting Ryan Green, 1010 XL in Jacksonville as, again, uh, BJ, no coach for the Jags at this point. Obviously, the fans are frustrated with Shad Khan, the owner. Fans have pretty loudly stated they are not accepting of Trent Baalke as the GM and would like him replaced uh, before you get a, a new head coach. So, uh, a lot of interesting scenarios, and now... You've missed a window to talk with a potential head coaching candidate, and now you're stuck until post-Super Bowl before you're able to interview that potential candidate if it's not going to be Byron Leftwich. So, what a mess. They've messed up the process, messed up a lot of things, messed up the Urban Meyer hire, messed up the process interviewing coaches here. Uh, it's just been a disaster. It has been. And and to go back to the end of last week, right, we were – following the news and, and and talking to insiders and it felt like we were on the brink of of a hiring with with Byron Leftwich and Adrian Wilson in as GM and there were even some you know tweets on Twitter about hey this is either close to a done deal or whatever and you at least felt like going into the weekend right there would be some clarity on Monday you at least felt like hey if we don't know on Thursday or Friday we will know on Monday and I, I, do we know less? I mean, I mean, I think here on Monday, we know less than we did on Friday. And given what all happened at the end of last week, that's pretty hard to process. I mean, I think we all left on Friday thinking, okay, there's a whole lot of smoke. There's going to be fire. This is going to happen. You will have an announcement. Maybe it'll, you know, get, get leaked out that this is what's happened. And then you'll have an announcement uh, early next week. And now, potentially, you could have a interview that might not even happen for two more weeks. Like, I, I, what, 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 Ben? What is, what has happened? What's, what's going on here? I just think sometimes. I mean, we think that the process should go a lot smoother than it does, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are proving that they make it to be more problematic than it should be. Yeah, it, look, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here with with Jacksonville moving forward. And I think we may have uh, Ryan Green here, ten ten XL. In just a uh, a moment, so we will uh, we'll go to the phones uh, with him and uh, welcome him here on uh, Three and Out. Ryan Green, Ten Ten XL, joining us. Ryan, uh, we were just talking about it here on the show. I mean, 
the Jaguars have royally screwed this thing up at every every turn, have they not, uh, with, with this latest gaffe? It is absolutely incredible, guys. Appreciate you having me on, first and foremost. It's absolutely incredible what has gone on here over the last 46 days. I bring up the number 46 because that was the amount of days it was since Urban Meyer was fired. Uh, 32 days since they uh, did their first interview in this coaching process. And yet here we are on January the 31st, no closer to hiring a head coach. It has been a comedy of errors. It's been great for us, local radio in Jacksonville. There's no question about that. But it's been a very, very, um, uh, I guess the right verbiage would be, it's been a very poor execution of finding a head coach uh, that Jacksonville has had here for the better part of the last six weeks. So, Ryan, where... Where is Jacksonville now? I mean, are there are there new interviews to be conducted? Is there a timeline, an expectation of when this might be done? I mean, what is the situation as currently constituted? Well, I mean, they interviewed Rich Passaccia today, the uh, Raiders interim head coach. They've interviewed, or <laughs> here's what they did. They wanted to interview Kevin O'Connell, the Rams offensive coordinator. They didn't follow the proper NFL protocol, so now that the Rams are in the Super Bowl, they'd have to wait until the Monday after the Super Bowl to interview him for the first time, which puts us on Valentine's Day on February the 14th. I don't think they're going to wait that long. Here's the bottom line, guys. Their three finalists, in my opinion, were Nate Hackett, Matt Everflus, and Byron Leftwich. Nate Hackett, to me, used the Jaguars as leverage to get a better deal out of Denver. I don't think Hackett was ever going to coach here with Balky in place as general manager. So take Nate Hackett off the table. Matt Eberflus, I think, would have worked with Balky. The Jaguars didn't act quick enough. He gets hired in Chicago. That leaves Byron Leftwich. It's my understanding that Byron Leftwich really doesn't want much to do with Trent Balky either. Trent Balky to this point, for whatever reason, Shad Khan, the owner, has been very loyal to him. So that takes Byron out of the equation. So now it's as if they're starting over, over a month into this coaching search. And Ryan, I mean, even even dealing with the whole Trent Balky situation, I mean, Byron Leftwich was a guy who who's gonna, who understood the situation the best, who's been in the situation like with Trevor Lawrence. I think he was, and I think that when you think about a new head coach coming in, he's gonna want to get a new GM because what is it about Trent Balky that showed that he's proven to even run an organization, let alone pick the right guys to go out there on Sunday. Ben, Trent Baalke is 11-54. and 54. In the last four seasons, he's either been the general manager or the assistant general manager. The last five years that Baalke has been a GM or assistant GM, that's three in San Francisco and two here in Jacksonville, the head coach of that football team has been fired. You go back to uh, Jim Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, Doug Marone, Urban Meyer. My thing with Trent Baalke is this, and for the life of me, this is the part I don't understand. If he had a good track record with draft classes, if he had a good track record with free agents, if he had a good track record hiring coaches, then maybe you could overlook a flaw or two. He doesn't have a good track record with anything, and yet for whatever reason, Shad Khan, the owner, has stuck by him, has remained loyal to him, I don't understand it. The fan base doesn't understand it. And I got to tell you, these Jaguar fans are great. I know they get a bad rap nationally, 
This team has been a dumpster fire for 12 of the last 13 years. They just want a functional team that might occasionally win a game on Sunday afternoon. That's not too much to ask. And the way the Jaguars have handled this coaching search does not give them much hope moving forward. Uh, yeah, Ryan, they're, obviously they seem very justified in wearing the clown masks, uh, given the way this thing has gone down uh, moving forward. But at, at what point does Shad Khan look around and go, we, we have candidates who are pretty much well being put out through the media that don't want to work with my GM. And it's more than one. And it's more than two. At what point do you have a little self-reflection and say, maybe it is us. Maybe it is us that, that, that can't get this thing done and get out of our own way. See, loyalty is normally a very good thing. I, I, I don't know what you guys think, but genuinely I think it's good to be loyal. But I do believe loyalty can come with flaws, and that's where I think Shad Khan is. Shad Khan is a very loyal man, but I think his loyalty is flawed in that Dave Caldwell, the GM before Balky, did a horrible job and was here for eight years. They kept Gus Bradley here for four years as the head coach. He did a horrible job for those four years. Should have been fired after two or three years, certainly. Shad Khan has a history of keeping guys longer than he should have because I genuinely believe he is a loyal man. Normally, I would commend that. In this case, I do not. And it also could be... I'm smarter than everybody else. I hired this guy. I think he's going to do a good job. I'm going to let him show you, give him the opportunity, and we'll be the last ones laughing. I don't know exactly what it is, but whatever it is is a problem. And we've tried, guys. We've talked to former players. We've talked to former front office men. We've talked to even a couple of former head coaches in the NFL trying to find anyone that would say something positive about Trent Baalke from a professional point of view, not personally. Personally, he's probably a great family man. I'm not attacking the man's character from that point. I'm attacking his resume and the NFL. We can't find anybody that says anything positive about Trent Baalke, and I think that speaks volumes. So, Ryan, I mean, you may not know. Nobody may know, but I guess what, what, what happens next uh, through, this, through this whole thing? Well, I mean, look, they, they interviewed Basaccia today. Could they circle around back towards Byron, perhaps? But again, that probably means you have to cut ties with Trent Balky. And here we are on January the 31st, and to this point, Shad Khan has been unwilling to do that. So I think they've literally started over. Nate Hackett's off the board. Matt Eberflus is off the board. Byron's off the board. Those were the three guys they wanted to talk to for a second time. Now we're introducing new names every day. So I think after 32 days of this, they are back to square one conducting first round of interviews. And I can't imagine this going into next week. But, guys, if you would have talked to me two weeks ago, I couldn't have imagined it going to February 1st. So at this point, who really knows what's going to happen down there? And, Ryan, you said you talked to former front office people. You talked to former coaches. What is this doing to the current locker room when, one, they're they still trying to get over the whole Urban Meyer situation, and now they're dealing with the fact that they're looking like the team that nobody wants to coach? Well, Ben, you know this, man. I mean, there's 26 and under guys all throughout that roster. I mean, I would think off the top of my head, probably 60, 70% of the roster is 26 and under. That includes Trevor Lawrence, obviously, the number one pick in the 20. 
2021 draft. I mean, imagine their heads are spinning. They go through a 3-14 and season. Now they can't find a head coach. You have the Urban Meyer fiasco on top of all of it. They need normalcy. To me, that's why I would be in favor of a Jim Caldwell. I would be in favor of a Doug Peterson. Heck, even a Rich Passaccia. Give me normalcy. We've had nonsense. Give me a guy that's going to show up every day, put a competitive team on the field, may not be the sexiest quote-unquote hire, if you will, but it'll be the right hire. I'm ready for normalcy. I'm not willing to go through another year of nonsense after nonsense after nonsense. Hopefully that's where we land. Because if I'm Trevor Lawrence and I'm a player on this football team, I'm shaking my head. And with the way players can get what they want now in the league, I know Albert Breer alluded to this in his Monday morning quarterback column uh, this morning. At what point, if you're Trevor Lawrence's reps, if you're in Trevor Lawrence's camp, you go to Trevor and say, wait a minute. What are they doing in Jacksonville, Florida? We might need to go talk to them and say, hey, you figure out what's going on, or you might need to figure out somewhere to move me down the line. Yeah, and, and, and Ryan, Ryan Green, 1010XL in Jacksonville, joining us here. Ryan, we've talked about this as it relates to college football. Tennessee a couple years ago obviously got guy number like six or seven on their list. Uh, if you're Jacksonville, of course you have that introductory press conference. We have our guy. We have, our, I mean – you're publicly, you're on to the guy four and five and six in this process. I mean, even if you're interviewing four or five guys, everybody wants to say, this was the guy we wanted, our number one choice. Can't do that in Jacksonville. Everybody knows you're settling at this point uh, because guys don't want to work with the GM. I mean, how do you sell that to the fan base that you got your guy uh, when obviously you didn't? You had three guys you wanted. None of them have said yes to this point. Two of them have other jobs. And it's uh, publicly, guys don't want to work with your GM. No, you're exactly right. That ship has sailed. They did not get their guy. They didn't get their number two guy. They didn't get their number three guy as well. I mean, they got problems in that regard PR-wise. I made the comment today on our show that one of the most interesting days in Jaguar history will be that introductory press conference because I don't think one question is going to be asked towards the head coach. Everything's going to go to the owner, Shad Khan, and they're going to be looking right at Trent Baalke and say, why did you keep this guy as your general manager. So you're exactly right. The first choice is gone. The second choice is gone. At a very best, they might get their third choice in Byron Leftwich. But clearly, they have damage control to do when, and I guess slash if at this point, they ever hire a new head coach. Yeah, and, and Ryan, one uh, one final question as far as that, uh, that goes is this week's the Senior Bowl in Alabama. You have no coach, obviously. And you have a GM that most people would just assume seem fired, uh, see fire at the at, at the end of the day. So how do you treat the Senior Bowl? Is it just scouts that are going to be in Mobile this week? Obviously, very important part of the draft process. How is Jacksonville treating that this week? That's an absolutely terrific question. In fact, we would normally be there as a radio station. We've gone the last couple of years, but we don't have a head coach. I mean, what are we going to talk about? What kind of offense are we going to run? What kind of defense are we going to run? Who's the offensive coordinator? We don't know any of that. So we had to bail on the Mobile trip to figure out what they're doing here on the home front as far as a head coach moving forward. That's the cluster or the dumpster fire or whatever verbiage you want to use that this coaching search has brought on. I think they have scouts there. I don't think Trent Baalke's there. He's participating in these interviews, to our knowledge. So, yeah, it is, uh, it is fascinating 
that we are going to hit February 1st tomorrow, and the Jacksonville Jaguars basically, to my knowledge, have no idea what they're doing at head coach or potentially what they may have to do at general manager. Yeah, confidence-inspiring if you're a fan of the Jaguars. Maybe the clown masks stay a little bit longer. Ryan Green, 1010XL in Jacksonville, our guest. Ryan, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, fellas, anytime. Take care. Appreciate it. Ryan Green joining us. Ben, I'll let you respond quickly before we have to step aside, but your player in that locker room, choice one said no, choice two said no, choice three probably wants the job but doesn't want the GM there. And I would think Brian Leff was probably choice one. But so far, two guys have said no, and one guy said not with that guy as the general manager, and you're starting up. What are you saying to your teammates in the locker room sitting back looking at this thing go, go down? The perception of it is that no nobody want to coach us, even if the reality is it has nothing to do with us. If you are in that locker room, and as you mentioned, 26 and under, what else am I going to think? We already had the number one back-to-back number one overall picks. We just got done with the laughing stock of Urban Meyer, Chris Doyle, and Urban, and uh, you know, and Tim Tebow. Now we the laughing stock because we are the team that nobody wants to coach. I just think sometimes that these these uh these these are owners of teams. They think they're smarter than everybody. It is not your job to be the smartest person in the room. It's your job to be the wealthiest person in the room. And when you look at what's going on with Jacksonville, this, this I'm talking about the culture of things. Most of those guys are 22, 23 years old with the average age being 26. This is why bad teams stay bad teams because you would think that you would think upstairs will be looking out for downstairs. And it seems like right now all they got is downstairs looking out for each other. Crazy. We'll come back. We got much more to come. Three and out. You're on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here three and out on this Monday. Jags aren't going to the Super Bowl. Obviously, thanks to Ryan Green for uh, for that. Ben, I'm, I'm just saying. That was, a, I mean, the, the most profound thing he said was, look, the Senior Bowl is this week, and the GM is in Jacksonville talking to coaches after there's been an opening for over a month. No, and no, I know it's no. a big hire, but you were the no, first no, team no, in the no, league no, to have the ability no, no, to get, to no, get no, interviews. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. That, that, no. Welcome back to three and out. Kevin Time was BJ being a bit true. Jack's not going to Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. But this is the thing. I've never, but BJ, Ryan I mean, just said, dude, <laughs> we can't even go to the Senior Bowl. What I was you about mean? to say, Ben, Jacksonville not only not going to the Super Bowl, they're not going to the Senior Bowl. No, no, no. They might not get to, they, at this point, they might not get to go to the draft. I mean, they, they, I mean, they're going to be like, listen, it's the thing to BJ. What if they have a draft? Ain't nobody in there but Trent Balky and Shy Khan. That's going to be the worst draft day experience of our life. I mean, I'm just, and look, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing because I, because, Coming from a person that was that had to go to the Tennessee Titans where we had an established coach, we did not have an established culture yet, right? Right now with Jacksonville, they don't have either. You cannot establish a culture until the coach gets there. That's what people don't get. And I think that right now you got building blocks. You got young players who don't throw in the towel, who don't tank. They just young, don't know how to don't know how to uh win yet consistently. And you got a guy in Trent Bonkin. Like, once again, it goes back to what I be saying. There are guys who don't have resumes suitable to BGMs, and they keep getting jobs. Trent Baalke does not have a suitable resume for anywhere that he's been. Everywhere he's been, the coach gets fired. Yet, I don't know the loyalty. Listen, he got that Jerry Jones, Sean, uh, uh, Sean Garrett, Coach Garrett type loyalty. I, but, but BJ, and all joking aside, it's what it's going to do to Trevor Lawrence. It's what it's going to do to guys like Josh Allen, guys that want to be there. But you, but now you start asking yourself, 
Calais Campbell and Jalen Ramsey and Nika, they don't look as crazy now because people thought, look at what they do. No, dude, look at what's going on in the front office. It's been going on for a minute. And who? No, and look who at Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he's about, he, he, he he might be about to win a Super Bowl. He's in the Super Bowl, and I just it's um you know you mentioned the players on the roster, and you know people forget this team was still fighting at the end of the season. I mean, they beat the Colts in the last game. That was a meaningless game. For Jacksonville, a lot of people, a lot of fans wanted Jacksonville to lose that game to guarantee you would get the number one overall pick. The Colts were playing for a spot in the playoffs, and you still had guys out there, you know, playing hard, winning that game. Jacksonville's defense dominated that game. I mean, dominated that game. And it's like, what message does this send? I mean, what is the, what is the, what is the timeline? What is the, what is the thought process? What is the justification? I, I, I just. I mean, it seems like we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, and we have because it's been it's been crazy. And like I said, Kevin, I think we know less today than we did on Friday. And we thought going into the weekend it was going to be a weekend of answers, right? Like at some point it's going to come out. Like, Either Trent Baalke's getting right. fired or – yes, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and we know less. And it's like Ryan Green said, there's no way – and I'm paraphrasing something he said, but like there's no way this goes beyond this week. But then you think and go – well, it is Jacksonville. Look at what last week was. Look at what the week before that was. I mean, I I have no idea. I don't think anybody does, and I, th- I think that's uh, that's part of the problem there in Jacksonville. I know you want to be patient, but literally, Ben, you were the first team to have an opening in the National Football League, which means yes. uh, you're you're the first team that gets to kind of sit back and say, all right, we like these guys, we like these guys, we like these guys. And throughout this process, guys have, according to – to, to Ryan said, "Hey, he goes. He thought Nate Hackett maybe used the Jaguars. That's going to happen. Look, that's going to happen. It, it happens in college football all the time. I'm going to use you to get a pay raise from the team I'm on, or I'm going to use you to leverage you to go to this other college program. That happens all. That happens all the time. So I'm not blaming Nate Hackett. But look, you've been through three guys and interviewed lots more. Jim called one. Nobody has emerged to make you feel good. Like I said, your top three guys have not said yes." You've interviewed Jim. I mean, that, that's just the guys that we're talking about. You've interviewed Jim Caldwell. You've interviewed a number of guys. And nobody has advanced to the serious stage of, yeah, I want to come there. Well, why is that? At what point do you do a little self-reflection and say, I know the fan. I'm not going to give in to the fan's whim of they want Trent Baalke gone. Okay, fair enough. But at what point do all the interviews, you look back and go, why can't any of these cats say, say yes? In any kind of process, if nobody will ever say yes, you have to at least look at yourself and say Maybe it's me. Maybe it's something we're doing. Maybe it is that guy that that is that the hang up here. And should we, for the betterment of the 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 organization, take a step back and say, "Look, I'm loyal to you, dude." But nobody's going to say yes while you're here. And and that's not. I hate you. It's like we're trying to move forward as a franchise, and we can't. And I think that's a problem. The fact that you've had a coaching opening for a month plus, and you're quote starting over with the coach. That's that should be embarrassing. That should be embarrassing as a franchise that that's happening, Ben. No, 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 it is. And 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 the biggest thing is, people talk about loyalty and business. You know how many businesses you know go you know uh, go down because of loyalty. You know how many Shad Khan. I don't know if Mister Khan is married, but if he is, that's who you need to. Your loyalty need to be to your wife, to your children. This think about this too. These are guys that's gonna get these guys are gonna get their biggest paydays, and they still said no. They're gonna make millions of dollars, and they said no. That is how bad Trent Balky is. Byron Leftwich goes, hold on for a second, man. Like, I mean, I know, 
Like, I know front office guys. I told our front office guys here in Tampa, and they say, hey, man, I'm getting ready to go to Jacksonville. What I need to do? Tell them I'm not working with you in Boston. That's the first thing you need to do. Because in a sense, why would you are setting Byron Leftwich up to fail miserably? Look at Doug Marone, right? Oh, my God. Urban Meyer could only get hired by one team. No other team going to even touch Urban Meyer in the NFL because they like, look, man, we're we looking at your track record. Trent Baalke has been in other places. And look at what he did to those organizations. Chad Khan said, come over here, man. I think you could. No. Adam Gates was a bad coach in Miami. What did they do? They hired him with the Jets. What did he do up there? Same thing he did in Miami. So I just think that the biggest thing for me is it's a slap in the face to these guys that want to get head coaching jobs. When I, when I got, I'm not working with him. I mean, at a certain point, I thought in the NFL, the biggest, this is the biggest league for football. You, your job is to put <clears throat> the best people in every position, not just in the head coach, front office, GM, president. Trent Baalke is the best you got, Shia Khan. That's embarrassing. And I don't care what nobody says about Shia Khan as being a good guy. He's a bad decision maker. He really, really is. You brought Tom Coughlin back, look at what he did. Doug Marone probably could have made it if he didn't have to work with Coughlin and Balk. Trent Balk, he probably could have made it. So I just think sometimes the people be thinking, why are the team's bad? Start from the top. Go upstairs. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe a front office make the biggest difference, I give you two words, Atlanta Braves. What happened when they got rid of the guys that was there and they brought in the guys? I'm telling y'all, a lot of times it don't be the talent on the field. If I got the if, – listen, if, if – Well, we Cleveland's not the talent on, on the field, Ben, right? I mean, that, that's the, the, the prime example of a bad franchise. Think about Trevor Lawrence. The number one overall pick knows nothing about his own organization. I don't know. I mean, Trevor, who's going to be the – I don't know. The face of your franchise don't know what's going on. Well, and it's like it's like Kevin said. Think about what Jacksonville has to offer, okay, to be a head coach. You're talking about a franchise quarterback entering his second year. You're talking about the number one overall pick, and I believe five of the top seven. Yeah, you got a lot of picks really in good the draft. Picks, yeah. You have a lot of top top of the draft picks. You're gonna have the second most money in free agency to spend. As Ryan Green said, you look at your roster, Josh Allen, Miles Jack, DJ Shark, James Robinson, Camera. A lot of these guys are 25, 26 or younger. You have a very young roster, LaVisca Chenault, Trevor, and you have no uh no no set no uh, a state income tax. You're talking about all and you can't you you you're 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 unappealing. I mean, Kevin, it's like you said that should tell you something. That has to tell you something and I, I I would think we would know more in the next couple of days, but I I, I can't commit to that. Oh, on, I, on, I have no this, idea. This, I have no this idea. Is big, this is the biggest slap in the face. So the biggest slap in the face is the best team in your division who had the best record in the AFC got beat by a bunch of 23-year-olds. That's who beat them. So, guys, your age, right? Jamar Chase, Higgins, uh, you, talk, you, you talk about Joe Burrow. Cause that's the faces of that of that offense. They just went to Tennessee and beat those guys. So when people say, "Wait a minute, we we got number one overall pick check. We got a running back check. We got a we got a we got a good you know we got some good pieces." Of, but Trent Baalke, I guarantee y'all, if Trent Baalke is the GM in 2022, they ain't serious about winning games. They're not serious because what GMs do sometimes they bring their behind to the sideline. Man, nobody trying to talk to that dude. <laughs> buddy, rubbing elbow. Because I'm telling y'all, it's almost like. Football, like any sports, it starts from the guys upstairs. It's the people that don't play that have a lot to do with the guys that do play. Terry Fontenot, people thought, why is he leaving New Orleans? Because he knew Sean Payton was leaving. 
people are trying to make, you know, you know, they're trying to make, you know, good moves for their uh, for their careers. And I'm sorry, Kevin and BJ, if you finally feel to become a head coach and my consolation prize is Trent Balky, hell no, I don't want that. Because in a sense, they're gonna, no matter how good or bad I do, they're gonna say it's my fault. Now, really, I look at this dude I'm adopting. Name a good organization that don't got a good front office. I'll wait. They are they are synonymous with each other. Good front offices lead the good teams, which lead the Super Bowls. Bad bad front offices lead the bad teams. No playoffs. Number one overall picks. And unfortunately for those players, it's gonna be much of the same if they don't do something with that front office. And it ain't even bulky. It might be Shy Khan at this point. Yeah, we've got more to come here. Three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. What are Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase doing here in this league? It's been said two young young guys. Are they just hearkening back to something we saw in college? Well, to have you here on this Monday, Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, glad you're with us here on the show at Pigskin Radio. Love to hear from you there on Twitter as well. But Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, obviously turning heads in the National Football League, got Cincinnati to the Super Bowl. I'm trying to think. Of the, the last time they would have been there was back in the Boomer, like was it Boomer Esiason days there in the what, late the 80s, 80s, early 90s. Yeah, early, yeah. yeah. Uh, Boomer Esiason, I think they lost to the Giants. In that Super Bowl, the uh, the Phil Simms. lost to San Francisco. We got to look it up. We look it up. I thought they lost. The, I'm pretty sure. I thought they lost the, uh, the. And this will take me back. Look it up, Cam. I think the the, the, the Bengals lost the Super Bowl. I think it was 1990 to the Giants to Phil Simms because you had Icky Ooh, Woods doing the Icky Shuffle right. out there uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to the, the, the say they lost to the to San Francisco. Okay. I, one of those <laughs> <laughs> so, well, no, well, I'm saying, look it up. Super when the Bowl Bengals were, last, were in the Super Bowl, the Bengals were in the Super Bowl. And I'm doing this off top. Ben, I think they. And lost who they the, lose to? I think they lost to Phil Sims and the Giants, and that was I'm Bill Parcells' first Super Bowl right, win okay. there with the Giants. I said they lost to Joe Montana and San Francisco. Joe Montana. Right. right. No, just, but no. So the second time it was the, the, they lost before to the to the Giants. Is that what we're, we're, they we're, lost to San Francisco twice? Anyways, point being, this yeah, is this is they uncharted territory. Yeah, they lost to San Francisco twice. Yeah. All right, yeah. this is uncharted waters for 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 Cincinnati here in, in any kind of recent history. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, obviously great duo in the NFL. Collegiately, you say, BJ, one of the best teams of college football. Looking at how the 2019 guys have had success, you say, was it the best college football team ever? I, I still think, from a pure talent standpoint, that 2001 Miami, never going to be duplicated. That offense still put up insane numbers, and you're seeing guys off of that team all across the National Football Yeah, League. yeah, I think the U is still the standard, but Ben, it's interesting because normally when I evaluate the greatness of a college team, right, I don't like to use future professional success as a factor because, you know, different things happen. Sometimes guys are incredible college players, but for whatever reason, they go to the pros and they're okay or it doesn't work out or whatever. But I think this just adds further context and just kind of creates more of a frame of reference that shows you these players that are dominating the National Football League, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, what, best rookie season ever by a wide receiver, uh, Justin Jefferson, one of the most prolific seasons ever, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. These guys were just in college a couple of years ago, and they were on the same team. And I know those LSU offensive numbers were absurd. 
the team scoring records, the individual accolades. But think about Joe Burrow right now in the Super Bowl with the Bengals. Think about Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson doing things we've never seen young wide receivers, rookie wide receivers do. Think about Terrence Marshall, who's also with uh, the Carolina Panthers. Yep. I mean, you have Thaddeus Moss on those teams. You have uh, Cam, one of the offensive linemen that Burrow played with at LSU is one of the starters for Cincinnati. This, these, these playmakers, this passing game, this offense, I, I, it, it's just amazing to think that these guys were not that long ago. Ben, just a couple of years ago at LSU, and this is just further explains why they were so absolutely unstoppable. I mean, you think about uh, right Jamar Chase and and uh, against AJ Terrell. You know, you think about Joe Burrow against Oklahoma. He had seven passing touchdowns and 400 yards in the first half. Look at what these guys are doing on the biggest stage in the NFL playoffs. Ben, BJ, you know, you know, I'm a stickler for ages, right? I don't know, I don't, I don't know when I got like this. Like, oh, he's so and so, he's so and so. Yeah, Kevin knows what the population of every county is, right. and you know what year everybody was born in. Yes. Okay. When do you, when do you think Joe Burrow was born? When do I think Joe Burrow was born? Yes. What year? Uh, I don't. Uh, what ninety? Ninety. Just say ninety nine. Ninety nine. He was he was actually born in ninety six. So he he he's the elder statesman. He's about to be twenty five, twenty six. This but this is the crazy part. This is the crazy part. T Higgins. Born in 99. Jamar Chase, born in 2000. These boys are 21 and 22 years old, wrecking the league, right? But this is the thing about Joe Burrow, right? Joe Burrow started off with Ohio State. So for those who don't like the transfer portal, well, there is no Joe Burrow without it because he jumped in it. First year at LSU, eh, kind of wasn't that player. Was a, was like a third round. He went from a third round grade to the number one overall pick, that confidence level. And, B.J., the thing is, what you like about Joe Burrow is when he says, look, man, we ain't doing no underdog role. Because when you play the underdog role, it's almost like saying, dude, we ain't good enough to do it. We just out here hoping to do it. No, we the new Bengals. We we are already – I mean, Higgins, Chase, and Burrow are already a better, you know, trio, uh, you know, than, what, than Carson Palmer, T.J. Hushmanzada, and uh, Chad Johnson. Not necessarily because of the numbers, because they're going to the chip. Like, they're going. So I think what happens is when you think about – what does a mentality do for an organization? What does a what does a change of change of scenery or change of pace do? Joe Burrow is the one, man. And I don't know where this dude come from. He's never lost in the playoffs in college or in the pros. It's not like he's going up and getting no sl- I mean, he told the number one overall seat, time for y'all to go. He told he at home, he told uh he told old Patrick Mahomes, nope, I'm gonna shut this dynasty down right now. And and I and I just think that the way Jamar Chase came into the Jamar Chase had a case of the drops, Kevin in preseason, right? Oh, can't catch a cold. What did he go out there and do? Fourteen hundred yards. I mean, I mean, broke broke his teammate Justin Jefferson record uh, uh, the previous year. Has the most receiving yards as a rookie in the playoffs. Broke that this week. Uh, did that over Isaac Bruce. I'm telling y'all, we need to we need to we need to change how we look at Cincinnati, regardless of what they do after this year. And BJ. You wonder why guys go, if I get the right guy in here, coach, uh, if I get the right player in here, Joe Burrow, and I give him weapons. I'm telling you, Jacksonville is not that far. Well, if they get Trent Balkan, hell well, of a I mean, <laughs> but, 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 but what I'm saying no, but my is. My mom actually sent me a text last night. It said, so the Jaguars, the Bengals show that the Jaguars can do it. Well, Jaguars need a head coach first. But, but I, I mean, 
it goes to show what young talent can do. You make the right, right picks. You you develop your players. You give them an opportunity to go out and make plays. I don't know that it's as simple as kind of Cincinnati's making it look with what they've done. I mean, because what's amazing about this team is I don't know that you're elite defensively. I don't know that you're incredible along the offensive line, but you have a quarterback and you have guys who can make plays. And those guys were doing it at LSU. And remember, a lot of people, go back to this, a lot of people when LSU or when Cincinnati drafted Jamar Chase thought, should you get the offensive lineman? Should you get the offensive lineman to protect Joe Burrow? And I think most pundits, probably including myself, thought, yeah, you want to get the offensive lineman to protect Joe Burrow. Cincinnati's offensive line is not great, but you rekindled yeah. but you rekindled that Burrow-Chase-LSU magic, and look what's happening. They're doing the same thing. They're doing the exact same thing in the NFL they did in college football. If you're the best receiver in the country in college football, that means you're better than most DBs in the league. Let's just call it what it is. Most DBs, you don't know who they are. But BJ, but think about this. The Ravens, they get Lamar Jackson. They got a good for they got a good front office. They get guys around them. Look what happened. You know, Pat Mahomes, he go, he goes to Kansas City. They got they got a good organization. They get guys around them. Look what happened. Josh Allen, right? He go to Buffalo. They give him Stephon Diggs. They put some guys around him. Look what happens. The thing about the thing about it is Joe Burrow, they said, listen, give him, listen, I don't even know how good the offensive line was at LSU. I know how good those skill players were. I don't even know how good they were, right? So they saying, look, man, give them the skill players first. We want to see what we got. Now we start building that offensive line. I guarantee if Cincinnati don't get an offensive line in the first round, I'm not watching. I mean, well, I'm not I'm not going, you know, uh, Mel Kiper that thing. I'm never watching the <laughs> again. But I just think sometimes, BJ, that's why when you talk about what can a big-time quarterback do for an organization, that's why they that's why they reach for those guys. Because you might get a Joe Burrow, you might get a Josh Allen, you might get, you know, uh, you know, a Pat Mahomes, or uh, you know, uh, you know, when you talk about the when you talk about the fact that uh, Lamar Jackson. But the thing about it is, is once again, you cannot avoid this. I thought that Cincinnati was a bad organization because they was known for the organizations didn't want to pay guys. They I think I think they're starting to come around on that, but it's it's what a difference two years make. And we will in a they in the Super Bowl, we got to see what happens, but Jamar Chase, one of the hit top 10 receiver. The numbers speak for itself. You don't got to like it. Top 10. Might be top five if you really if you really break it down the numbers. And what makes him a top a top five, he's one of the last four, he's one of the last two receivers standing. Cooper Cup on one side, him on the other side, the BJ. Now everybody get to see how good he is. This Jamar Chase guy, this Joe Burrow guy. Well, they finna have center stage in LA. And they and they make it a name, they making it known that we come to other people's crib and put our foot on the couch. Just as Tennessee, just as Kansas City. So it's not like they ain't built for this moment. So I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to see what these young guys do. It is a young man's league. So when people ask why, the, the biggest thing that should scare you is not free agency. It's the draft. That guy they draft. If he's as good as you are or better, got to move on. And we'll see Jaguars on the clock in more ways than one. Uh, here as we head towards the draft, it's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on this Monday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Got a little basketball uh, tonight, Hawks and Raptors uh, coming up. Hawks have won seven in a row, trying to make it eight in a row if they can get that done tonight. But now you're uh, into that point where you're in January. Folks start looking ahead to college basketball. Not that far off, about a month and a couple, well, tomorrow's February, so basically about a month, and you're starting to talk about conference tournaments and uh, March Madness uh, at that point. Wait, 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 wait. wait. For with all this, Ben, you have to hear this real quick. Sorry. No, we're right. 
Tell everybody what you did to your son last night in video games. Oh, I pulled uh, dad rules. So, uh, so Ben, I'm playing uh, NBA 2K, which my son has gotten into. I've only played it twice ever. Last night was times two. So I'm playing my son head up, and he starts full court pressuring me. I'm like, listen, I'm trying to figure out how to get the ball. And so he steals the ball. He's like, ha-ha, dad, because I was beating him. Then he goes full court press, steals it a few times, and gets up. It gets to halftime. I'm down eight. Oh, son, will you look at that? It's 9 o'clock. Time for bed. Dude, Game over. Dude. What? What's wrong with you that? bedtime to win? I don't think. I, I wasn't calling a win. He just didn't get the dub. That's right, BJ. BJ, hold on, BJ. We, we, there's a certain someone on the show that told me I'm going to start lifting weights when my son starts trying me. <laughs> <laughs> it's dad rules. You're not, you're not doing it. You got to cheat. Oh, time for bed. So he goes full court press. You go full dad press. Yeah, time to go to bed. bed. Time to go night. You did not win. The game did not end. The end. We'll see you tomorrow. Three and out. Southern Pigskin.